This is Space Cats Peace Turtles, an unofficial podcast for Greater Than Games' Spirit Island. Episode 290, Spirit Guide, Vital Strength of the Earth, and Thunder Speaker. Music by Brian Capillus, featuring Matt Martins and Hunter Donaldson. mouthful what a lot of things to say in the intro there but also hey what what was that Ooh, it was beautiful new music we did yeah. it we got music for our spirit island stuff i'm stoked yeah it's very good um and probably superior to all of the other music that we've used <laughs> and it's a shame that it will only be on you know however Seven, many spirit island episodes. episodes yeah but it was worth it okay <laughs> y'all y'all we got to do a remix of our main theme at I some agree. point. Yeah. We need to hit up uh, old Prunty. I have a couple name? times. Ben. Old Ben. I've, yeah. I've, I, he used to be more responsive. Turns out Ben Prunty's career has only gotten better and less time for us. <laughs> yeah, well, he should remix the song that we use for our theme. He yeah. should do it for free. Um, <laughs> sure. And, and give it to us. Just drop it in our email, please. Please, uh, Ben. Easy. It's so easy. I do. I want to note here. I know that we have a, a sort of intent uh, with the... So you'll note that this Spirit Island theme was by our, our friend, uh, Brian, the Wandering Lake. Uh, so was our root theme. So was the theme we use for Oath stuff. So was our Dune theme. This is our friend. We use we use them often, right? Yeah. Uh, and there have been calls in the past for like, hey, where can we get the songs? We want to we want to hear them. And I, I want people to know that's being worked on. It is an it is a thing Brian would like to give you access to those yeah. songs. So hopefully that's a thing maybe around the corner here soon that you can uh you can go get those like on your Spotify's or whatever it is. I don't know how the music business works. Yeah, maybe we'll put out like an EP like the. <laughs> Space Cats Records, yeah. where it'll have like all of all of Brian's great themes, and then we finally do a remaster of the Pizza Face yes. song, right? Um, and that, if it were to ever come out on vinyl, mm -hmm. I would die. Yeah, um, <laughs> like if you could play Pizza Face, it sucks Pizza the soul Face is already pitched down and yeah. slowed down. Yeah, so imagine you're playing on a turntable where you can pitch it down even further mm, that mm -hmm. would be good i yeah. would like that a there's lot. a demon in your room kind of thing yeah, yeah there is a demon in your room so you know? cool uh well man here's a new thing for us we've done uh we've done sort of two spirit island episodes right we did a we played it here's our we, we did that that's all we did and then yeah. we did a learn to learn spirit island which is our jokey way of not teaching you how to play but just sort of like getting to talk about getting your feet wet with a game right so that's our that's so far space cats peace turtles coverage of spirit island but now we want to attack these spirits these are spirit guides uh a what does that mean though what are we doing what is this project where there's eight base game spirits and our intent is to basically write these little guides for all eight of them across four episodes yeah, um, the intention here is for this to be some beginner-friendly yeah. Spirit Island advice in the form of a guide that goes over, you know, all the relevant components. Um, it's not, we're not just going to talk about base game components in these episodes, yeah. but it will be a little bit kind of grounded in a newcomer's experience with the game. Yeah. Um, so what that means is that we're making 
Spirit Island content for our Spirit Island folks that is not for them really, <laughs> um, which is kind of hilarious. A lot of the people we know that love Spirit Island are going to come and listen to these guys and be like, oh, well, you know, they got this wrong. They got that wrong. They suck. Uh, and of course, we know we suck. We suck at this game. Yeah. Yo, we suck at this game. Right. I'm down to just throw that out there. Yeah. But to a newcomer, sure. we're probably better than they are if you've never played before, probably. Right. I mean, not, maybe not. <laughs> I hate to break it to you, Hunter, but that's most of our TI audience, too, is people that are pretty sure they're smarter than us about this game and want mostly well, interact with this by saying, I disagree and think this instead. I think that's a large part of the discourse surrounding episodes. That's fine. But with the TI audience, they are actually wrong, and I am smarter <laughs> than they are. That's the thing. And but you what recognize I'm trying to point Spirit out Island. Here, okay, got it. With Spirit Island, <laughs> I've not put in the time, uh -huh. so I am not smarter than they are. Yeah. So I have to acknowledge that. But the That's thing really about funny. the TI audience is that I actually am their dad, and they can't really tell me what to do. And in fact, go to your room, TI audience. <laughs> go to your room, Okay. You've, hey. you've been talking too much lately. Yeah. Speaking of going to your room, you can go hang out in your room. We encourage you to check out Spirit Island stuff and listen to this episode. But hey, listen, we are we recognize that not everybody's joining us on the Spirit Island bandwagon. Maybe you just don't like co-op games or whatever. But stick around. Check the time code in the episode description. We will uh, have TI stuff. We've got, we've got you know, agenda phase and homebrew review stuff. That will all still be related to Twilight Imperium. We actually have, you know... The, the agenda phase question we're going to answer is actually going to be kind of a prolonged conversation. So stick around. If you want to hear TI stuff, that's still going to be in this episode. Uh, just skip to the end if Spirit Island isn't for you. But also, I encourage you to check it out because we're trying to learn with you and teach with you, you know, maybe getting into this game. That's sort of the, the focus of, of this whole episode. So yeah, let's do some Spirit Island stuff. So the two factions uh, spirits excuse me sorry sorry not factions, spirits you are an individual this is it's so hard coming from doing this show for like five years and always saying factions all the time forever yeah yep. to then reroute your brain into the thing i'm playing in spirit island is one singular spirit i am the spirit and i'm just the one thing yep. i'm not a faction this is not dude quote unquote dudes on a map this is just my me my my spiritual presence on a map but our two that we've done today, I'm going to tackle Thunderspeaker after the break. And Hunter, you're leading us off with Vital Strength of the Earth. Yeah, really excited to get into it. Vital Strength of the Earth, big uh, big rock guy with a cute <laughs> little face. He's got a little smile. Uh -huh. Or is it a frown? I don't know. It's hard to say. He's literally got a little smiley face on him. They're just kind of drawn on Burp. the... The art is very good. You can uh -huh. kind of, if you pull up the art and take a look at it, you can see why I picked this guy <laughs> to be my first guy. It's Rockbiter from the NeverEnding Story. It's just literally yeah. him. <laughs> yeah, or like, uh, what's his name? Korg? Or, uh, oh, yeah, yeah. From yes. Thor. What, what is that guy's name? I think it's Korg. Kong? It's Korg? I don't know. I don't actually I, it know. It might be Korg. It, it might not be Korg. Who cares? Uh -huh. um, the point is, He's a big rock guy. Let's do the lore. Let's start with lore first. Sure. Um, I'm. I kind of. This is kind of my time to shine uh -huh, as far as uh -huh, lore goes. Uh -huh, uh -huh. So the lore for Vital Strength of Earth is that he's a big rock guy, mm. and mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That's and rich. he's got. Mm -hmm, uh, <laughs> he's got moss on the rocks. Oh. His rock got moss on it, mm. and he he likes to hang out with uh, the Dahan, uh -huh. which of course are the the natives to the island. And he prefers to move slowly. 
Mm. So there you go. That's He's some narrative. Slow. Just like like ooh oh, just it really drips I, and seeps with with you know uh-huh. really good nar- narrative. I'm really smart <laughs> that I just painted a good picture, and you know now about the rock guy. He's got moss on the rocks. The rock's got moss on him. That's part of his lore. Uh-huh. Okay. <laughs> Um, no, of course, that's not, that, that's not his actual lore. His actual lore is that he's a secret agent. Uh, he's been sent from an even bigger rock. Uh, he's a secret agent and he wears a tuxedo. Uh-huh. All right. Agent he, Michael and, strength of the earth. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, and his, his, uh, drink of choice, of course, is, uh, whiskey on, on the, the rocks. rocks. <laughs> <laughs> oh no. So yeah, that's uh, that's some new fan art I yeah. just invented right there. Right. Secret agent rock man. Yeah. Um that's enough of the lore though. We nailed it too hard. Yeah. Um Absol, of course, is welcome to correct us. Uh but I do think we got it. We we got it in one. Good yeah. job, everybody. Yep. Um, I'm, all around. I'm, good work. Team. I'm very smart and I'm a good boy. Um okay. Let's stop having so much fun and let's get into the strategy. So Oh, thank you. We're gonna tackle the components first. We're gonna talk about setup and we're gonna talk about all your goodies. Um, if you need a refresher, because we haven't talked about Spirit Island in a while, um, I would encourage you to, uh, check out and go look at something to refresh, because we're not, like, it's been several weeks since yeah. we've talked about Spirit Island at all. We're not going to, like, re-explain the basics, I guess, is something Ooh, I want to point out right. here. We don't have time. Um, it can't be a four-hour episode, okay? It can only be a two-and-a-half-hour episode. <laughs> all right. So, your setup works like this. You're going to take three of your presence, and you're gonna place it on your starting board, your starting part of the island. You're gonna put two of those presents in the highest numbered mountain and one in the highest numbered jungle. These are kind of your your vibes. Every, mm-hmm. uh, not all spirits, but most spirits have some, some elemental vibes to them. Your elemental vibes are mountain and jungle. Um, and that's what you're, you're into. The complexity of Vital Strength of Earth is low, and I disagree. Um, it is not low. I would say that it is, <laughs> it's, it's complexity. I, I'm, we're going to do case by case basis, but I do feel like giving you my take on the complexity of various factions. I would say vital strength is not actually that easy to pick up Yeah, as compared to even something a little more like to me, rampant green, yeah. uh, is, uh, has like kind of a similar vibe, uh, art wise, uh, and was easier for me to understand than Vital Strength of Earth. Vital Strength of Earth doesn't have a lot going on, which is not the same as being non-complex. Yeah. Uh, in fact, in its lack of complexity, the few choices you have to make need to be made correctly, otherwise you will have a bad game. Right, so, yeah, the complexity is like, there's not a lot to do, but that, if you mess even one thing up, you're off on the wrong track, and it's going to be hard to turn the slow, rocky ship around, basically. Yes, <laughs> yes. So I'll say, like, I don't think... Uh, if there was a difficulty meter, I would say that uh-huh. that Strength of Earth might be higher in difficulty. Uh, com- the complexity being low might be useful for our purposes, though, because it does feel like there's some pretty specific stuff that we will talk about in this guide yeah. that you can just do at home, which is nice. Um, let's talk about special rules and innate powers. So for our special rule, uh, we have Earth's Vitality. Uh, this means that we get defend three in every land where we have a sacred site. And we actually start with one right. in the highest numbered mountain. So we already start with def- defend three on the board. Um, and I would say this, this special rule right here is 
pretty much the backbone of our entire spirit. <laughs> and it's better than most of our own unique powers, wow. I would say. Um, it's honestly, it is, it is your free action that you are getting right. all the time. Yeah. And that's how you should think of it. Um, and sometimes multiple, right? As soon as you get more, like the more sacred sites, the more you just have all of these ridiculous bonus yes. actions. That's crazy. Yes. And to talk about defense in general real quick, the point of defending any land in Spirit Island is you would like to defend uh, to avoid blight, obviously. So that's good. That's sure. like level one good. Uh, level two good would be I'm defending where there's Dahan, so the Dahan do not, are not killed. That's level yeah. two good. Level three good is this. I'm defending in a space where I have so many Dahan, yeah. they are going to kill the invaders. Okay, I'll tell you this that's much. That's going to be a good. theme of this whole episode. That that point there. <laughs> that this is the link between these two spirits that we're going to talk about is I want these Dahan to punch good too. <laughs> yes. So the Dahan, whenever uh, it's time for Ravage, the Dahan, of course, hit with uh, two attack, which is great. However, the invaders hit first. Ah, that sucks. Yeah. However, if I'm defending, then their hits obviously uh, do less or hopefully, ideally, nothing at all. Right. Um, our innate power is called Gift of Strength. It is a quick power. Its range is whatever. Uh, and you can target any spirit with this power. Um, for the level one version of it, it requires one sun element, two mountain elements, and two leaf elements. Um, and this ability works this way. Once this turn, your target spirit may repeat one power card with energy cost of one or less now this can be a little bit confusing this is a quick power what that means is that's when you're dead you're choosing your uh -huh. target spirit it does not mean that it is going to make whatever power they decide to use twice into a quick power right. it's just that you are choosing at that point and then whenever it's time for them to do whatever power they want to do twice they just do it twice which is great um this is it's tricky to always work this into your strategy this ability but this is kind of the the next level of this spirit is to be able to pretty much constantly put this in the mix. And we will talk about it more when we get to unique powers. Yeah. Um, I want to talk about how it scales up real quick. Um, if you have two sun, three mountain and two leaf and you do the same thing, except instead now the energy cost limit is three or less. Yeah. If you have two sun, four mountain, three leaf. Yeah. Well, instead now the energy cost is six or less. So Just like everything, basically. <laughs> That's like right. almost every card in the game. Also, Hunter, it's not leaf, it's plant, technically. Just some errata uh, for you, Hunter, real quick. The green leaf no, is not leaf, it is plant. Thank you. I do want to get that correct, actually, <laughs> the nomenclature. So I was kinda I was kinda playing fast and loose there. It's so also I don't earth. Mind. Were you saying mountain? I don't remember. It's earth. Sun earth. It's plant. earth. Anyways. Sun, earth, plant. Okay. Well, I will. that's how I will refer to it from now on. Um, let's talk about our growths. Um, I would say this is probably why they decided to label um, Vital Strength as a low complexity yeah. faction. Because the growths are... There's not a lot to think about here. Right. Um, and we're sort of always going to be doing sort of the same thing. So yeah. we have three growths. Our first growth is to reclaim our cards. Of course, you always got to have that. And then we can add a presence to away from where we already have presence. Mm -hmm. Our second growth is to gain a power card and add a presence zero away from where we already have yeah. presence. So, so make that a sacred is, site or improve yep. <laughs> sacred site. 
Yeah, that is exclusively to create a sacred site. And then our growth three is to add a presence one away from where we already have presence and then gain two energy. So there is kind of a very obvious kind of ebb and flow to this, which is that we're going to use growths one and three to expand into a land where we have no presence. Yeah. And then we'll be using growth two to gain a power card, but also uh, just as importantly to create a sacred site and use Earth's vitality yeah. to defend three in an additional land. So that's kind of like where the tempo of this spirit comes from. Yeah. And I would say kind of the part that makes it pretty difficult for newcomers because you really need to be attuned to the invader deck. Yeah. Um, right. This is a slow process. This is a two-turn process of getting a sacred site down so that you can defend three. You need to know, oh, okay, so they're exploring now, they're gonna be building next, and then after that, they're gonna ravage. We wanna have that sacred site ready in whatever land the invaders will be ravaging right. on time, which requires us to have a little bit of tempo knowledge that I would say at least first-time players aren't always clued into. I know I didn't really even start understanding what was in the invader deck yeah for a long time Definitely. and now that i know what's in there it's just one of each essentially Same. plus some extra stuff yeah um whenever you get to stage two and stage three uh now that i know that uh it a lot of the strategy makes way more sense. Yeah. Um, that is definitely a good first time thing to uh, pick up on. And I hope we emphasize that in our learn to learn. I don't know if we did. But also, you can always <laughs> We're emphasizing just it now. How about that? Yeah. <laughs> We're doing it now. Um, all right. Next, I want to talk about their presence tracks. They have uh, two, uh, which I think is normal. I think they it all is, have yeah. two. But uh, there's just the weird ones that like do crazy cross stuff because you, you, you played yeah. that one game at Serpent and you were like, maybe anything's possible. And it's like, well, no, yeah. they're all still just two. But you, you played one crazy faction one time. I did play a weird one one time. <laughs> um, so their top uh, their top row of, is, of course, energy. They start with uh, two um, and then it goes up to three and then four and then six and then seven wow. and then eight. We, we start a little bit slow, especially when, once we talk about unique powers, you'll find out that we actually have high energy cost powers that we start yeah. with. Um, but it ramps up pretty quickly. I would say the energy is not really going to be too difficult for us. Um, yeah, that's a lot of energy, I should say. I mean, just based yeah. on I, how I know my upcoming faction works and the uh, couple other ones I've played with, like the fact that you even get up to eight is nutso. <laughs> right. Well, so, and and here we go. Let's talk about the second row, which is how many cards we can play per turn. Yeah. So starting out, we can play one, and then one, uh-oh, <laughs> and then two, Yeah. okay, a little better, and then two again, uh-oh, uh -oh. and then three, and then four. So we have to get all the way down the track before we can play four cards. Yeah. Um, this is the slow part of Vital Strength of Earth. This is how they made it so that we can't do a whole lot and also, though, it's kind of the reason why the energy part, to me, always feels a little bit easy. I've noticed yeah. uh, in a lot of the ways other people talk about Vital Strength of Earth, I think a lot of people play in such a way with this fact, or with this spirit that they uh, race for major powers that are perhaps really costly. Mm -hmm. um, I'm going to talk about that as an option, but I'm not necessarily going to recommend that you do that because I think it requires a lot of really... Uh, specific kind of energy juggling. Mm -hmm. For me, at the level I play at, I don't worry so much about energy. I'm mostly focused on making it so I can play at least two cards would be good. Yeah. Um, yeah. So we want to race to that 
uh, as quickly as we possibly can, which means we're not going to be playing three cards until basically turn two at, at the earliest. Um, so that's that's rough. Yeah. Uh, our first turn is going to be slow, uh, and we're really going to rely on especially our Earth's Vitality to get us through that early game. Right. Because um, remember, that is an ability that I would say is worthy of a card. So we yeah. sort of have a card in the pocket. Um, if we are smart enough about where we put our presence yeah. early on. Right. Okay. Let's do unique powers now. This is this is where we're really going to get into the weeds. Um, <laughs> so our first unique power is a year of perfect stillness. This is a three energy cost, quick action. Uh, its range is one from our current presence. And then our target is any land. Um, it is one sun, one earth, as far as signs, which yeah. is not that good compared to a lot of our other cards um and then what it allows us to do is invaders skip all actions in target land this turn this card is not great and i would not focus on it too much it is i would say a little bit of a trap hmm. it's not actually helping you get any tempo yeah um on the invaders uh while they're not doing anything in their target land uh that's okay, cool. We stop them from doing one thing, right. but it's not contributing to us moving the Dahan around. It's yeah. not contributing to us uh, like removing these invaders. They're just going right. to sit there and do nothing. Because if they don't ravage, then, then the Dahan don't counterattack. Exactly, basically. yeah. It's, it's like critical that you actually want these steps to take place. You just want to have the tools in place to respond to them or whatever. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, yeah. and also I do not like that it is uh, one sun, one earth. Um, it is kind of minimally contributing to us uh, acquiring Gift of Strength because there is no plant yeah. sign on this card. Right. Um, you'll see all the other unique powers you have have at least one plant on it. So anytime you play this, you are like probably not unlocking your innate power, which is rough. The note for this ability, where it actually kind of can swing into being useful, are situations where in one land, the invaders are going to do more than one action. Mm-hmm. Um, this happens in some pretty specific situations, but it could be uh, when there's an escalation that's going to happen. Mm -hmm. When we're in between like stage two and stage one or stage two and stage three, you could get two jungle could be out, you yeah. know? Yeah. Um, two mountain could be out. I don't know. Uh, and then obviously coastal lands mm -hmm. is uh, an opportunity for there to be multiple actions to happen in one land. When that happens, it does feel worth it. So you should always be on the lookout of like, are the invaders going to be doing a lot in this space? Well, right. maybe we should just shut that down. Yeah, yeah. Um, but overall, it doesn't help with momentum and it doesn't really help with tempo. It's kind of a, oh no, things are going really poorly. I need yeah. to, uh, to save this one land kind of situation. And I feel like if you are in that spot, then things are not going well. Right, you know? right. Um, our second card that we're going to talk about, our second power is guard the healing land this is a three energy cost as well this is also a quick action its range is one from a sacred site and the target is any land it is uh one water is it is that right yep, is it sorry. water yep one water one earth and one plant um and its effect is remove one blight and defend four now this is good in that a lot of times we'll start with some blight on mm -hmm. uh, one land, and that would be cool to get rid of that. Yeah. But overall, defend four uh, is 
good, but we do get defend three for free where yeah. we have a sacred site. <laughs> I was about site. to say, it's three bucks for something we do already, sort yeah. of. <laughs> um, I feel like this is also kind of like we can get rid of this one as well yeah. if we do want to discard for, for other powers. Guard the Healing Land is... it. I'll say this. It, there are some powers I've acquired in games where I have to create Blight in order to do something. Yeah. Now, luckily, a lot of these cards don't really synergize that well with uh, Vital Strength of Earth. But if you do happen to acquire one and feel like, oh, this is going to be useful in my game, then Guard the Healing Land can kind of help balance that out. Yeah. But that's a lot of energy cost. I don't yeah. spending three energy to merely remove a blight feels like it feels like a lot until we get to the late game with these guys. Yeah. Um. So uh, and of course defend four. That's all right. But uh, hopefully, hopefully we're just planning everything out in such a way of like our sacred sites are doing a majority of the defense for us. Yeah. Um. And also, you know, we're gonna focus mostly on the two remaining cards that I'm gonna talk about right now. First up, Draw of the Fruitful Earth. This is a one energy cost, so this is our only cheapo. Um, it's a slow action. Its range is one from our presence, and the target is any land. Uh, it ha it comes with one earth, one plant, and one beast. Is that right? Yeah. Uh, animal. Yeah. I call it beast animal. all the time, too, but it is animal. Cool. One mountain, or one, one earth, one plant, one beast. Um, and the effect is to gather up to two explorers, and then gather up to two Dahan. Let's talk about, real quick, let's kind of have a sidebar and let's talk about what gather means. Yeah. Um, so gather is an action. It's like a type of action that you can take where you choose a target land and then you can pull in a certain amount of uh, units from adjacent lands. And they don't have to all come from the same one. They just all have to end up in the same one. So you could say, like, I'm going to take one Dahan from this land, I'm going to take one Dahan from this land, and then, like, one Explorer from over here. As long as they all just end up in the same place and they're adjacent, then you're totally solid. Yeah, the, the key here in understanding Gather is mostly in its uh, opposition to Push, is the big idea. There's there, the, the two abilities are Gather and Push, and they necessitate how you think about each one. Gather is pulling things from anywhere into the target the target is the right. one spot that everything collects into it drowns into the, the you know it falls into the bottom of the pool push right. is like a mountain you're pushing everything down into the surrounding valleys from a push yeah. is you push from the target land so you can have a big stack and push could move things into four different territories or whatever gather is from four into one yeah i would also say that overall um if we were picking any specific action to say is like the theme of yeah. these of today's episode i would yep. say gather and push is very good to like they kind of pair well absolutely as far as mechanics that you need to understand um so there you go uh draw of the fruitful earth is going to allow us to essentially move the dahan around um and yeah. also move the explorers around don't forget about that aspect of sure. it um, because you could gather the explorers to a land where they are not going to do anything uh, before they like build for example or something like that yeah um so don't it, forget that as an option it's useful too here to note that like what you're talking about is gathering a dahan you know two dahan that's four total damage in ravage with two right. explorers that are only re re coming back with two damage of their own but you have to watch it right because those two explorers alone will kill one of the dahan if nothing else right. is going on there so it's like 
a cheap card, but it's dangerous in its implications of what you are potentially choosing to gather if you don't have a plan on the back end for it. Right. This is why it's so important to keep your eye on the invader deck and have an idea of exactly what sequence you can expect as far as yeah. cards that are going to be coming out. Right. Um, all right. Let's talk about their last card, and it really ties the, the one we just talked about into itself. Um, it's called Rituals of Destruction. It is a three energy cost, slow action, and its range is one from a sacred site. And the target is uh, Dahan land. So it yeah. has to be a land with Dahan in it. Um, it has, uh, as far as elements go, it is one sun, <laughs> one moon, one fire, oh one earth, <laughs> and one plant. So much. That's a lot. A lot. I'll note it's too, while we're just talking about the elements, it's weird to me how many of these cards have elements that we don't are use. not useful yeah. to it yeah uh, we mm -hmm. got one card with water we got one card with animal this one's got two symbols we just have no use for at all when we get to my stuff later it's all on topic like all of my elements right. are part of the cohesive whole and this is like i don't know have a moon have fun buddy right <laughs> right well there yeah I, it's clearly trying to connect uh the vital strength of earth to various other power cards that are in the deck because yeah. there i don't know thunder speaker that well matt but a theme of of this uh, spirit today is going to be us like maybe cycling some of these cards out for better yeah, cards. That's basically. so interesting because mine, yeah, mine is the opposite. Mine's like we got the stuff we need and just keep doing more of it, baby. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. Um, okay, so what what does Rituals of Destruction do? Uh, well, it does two damage. That's all right. Yeah, that's not too bad. But if the target land has at least three Dahan in it, mm. we do plus three damage. So that's a whopping five damage. And two fear on top of however much else fear you generate right. from just doing damage. Um, so it's a slow action. It's happening after uh, any ravaging has, has gone down. Uh, but it is going to allow you to do some fighting. Yeah. Um, and obviously it pairs with Draw of the Fruitful Earth. Right. Uh, if you play both of them, uh, you will also unlock your Gift of Strength. Um, or at least your 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 number one level of it. Um, you won't you won't get to level two for a while. Um, but yeah, so so obviously the idea here is we gather the Dahan, we maybe move some explorers around, and then we use rituals of destruction as sort of a nuke yeah. to do that five damage, while hopefully also defending in that same area right. and letting the Dahan help clean it up as well. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's it's a it's kind of. It's kind of interesting here. We've got four cards, two of them with really niche applications that you could use maybe if you're like really hurting. Sure. But I would say overall, if you're using, you know, the two quick powers, it's kind of a bad sign for your strategy. We're about we're about these two slow actions and about really looking at the deck and just trying to defend where we can, maybe take some hits over here if we have to, so yeah. that we can just kind of get some momentum on the Dahan yeah. uh, attack output right. is it's, what we're it, looking for. It definitely feels like that idea of like, just take hits until you drop the nuke once every three turns or whatever yes. it is. It's just like, you know, it's going to get rough over there. But yeah, like, you know, this this last one, Rituals of Destruction, you're, it, you know, it can be one away from your sacred site. But it's like, I don't know, how often are you doing it just in your sacred site where you've collected all of your... Dahan anyways and are defending right. naturally and it's it feels like a, a spirit that's like really about putting spirits uh spiritual sites where 
you know there's going to be heavy stacks or whatever and being like that's fine we're going to survive until we kill everything in one fell swoop or whatever right but it's also important to note that for rituals of destruction we actually do have a range of one from a sacred site so what i find is you tend to move the dahan around in these like little clusters yeah where we're kind of defending over here during the ravage but over here where they're building we're actually just going to get ahead of it and go ahead and smack them yeah you know what i mean right, right. um so it's sort of there's like a two-fanged approach here there's there's defense and let the dahan handle it and then there is let's get ahead of it for next time and where we're not defending either you know yeah, what i mean if right. i if i clear out the city and town and there's just an explorer left yep well, that explorer is. Well, we don't even need to defend there. Nothing. The Dahan are just going to kill that, you yeah, know. Right. Which is uh, which is great. So, uh, here's here's the problem I kind of have um, with, I would say our our process at this point. So there are actually aspects to Vital Strength of Earth, oh, which sure. are like kind of alternate uh, conditions for them to use. Uh, I uh, did not use those. So it it one of them gives you like a different. Um, it replaces like Earth's vitality, which is their, um, or sorry, yeah, it, yeah. One Their of them replaces role. Earth's vitality. Actually, they both replace Earth Earth's vitality. Yeah. But uh, some of them do it by like giving them an additional um, innate power, and then one of them does it by giving them a different um, special rule. Mm -hmm. I did not play with those, um, so I am gonna save. I'm gonna kick the can and say someday if we ever do revised. Uh, spirit island guides spirit guides we would tackle aspects yeah but i did not tackle them at all uh sure. for this guide so sorry i do not have anything there for you yeah that's fine well and, and my spirit doesn't even have aspects so it's like it would be a weird thing to try to bounce back and forth with but let's talk then about we've covered everything component wise of what this uh spirit has uh the thing i I've noted in like pre errata and conversations with everybody is you know this this is a game that is a lot more about some sort of known quantities, even though there's so much about random draws of decks and stuff. So right. much strategy still revolves around setting yourself up, especially with this fact or the spirit, right? Is is like there's a there is a process to get things on board. So I think a feature of both of our guides is can we talk through opening maneuvers? Like what are the things that yeah. we we want to get going first? Is there even sort of like a recipe? for just like do exactly this and that will get you to this point where then you can sort of play the rest of your game. Well, yeah, so like what I was saying before, the general principle here is that we're gonna use growth one or growth three mm -hmm. to expand our presence into a land that has, uh, that the invaders have like already explored or or will explore. I don't yeah. know why we would even know that, but maybe, I don't know, maybe, we, maybe we've counted the cards, we know what's in the deck and yeah. we know what to expect. Um, uh, so that you can then use growth two in order to create a sacred site and gain power cards. It's very important to gain additional power cards as vital strength of earth. Um, you got to pay attention to the deck to make sure that you always know exactly what the invaders are doing and where, um, so that you can make sure to place those sacred sites very optimally. Yeah. Um, so let's talk about at least our first action or so. So I think the for the first action, you have two choices for growth. You, t you could take Growth 2 and have a, a second sacred site in the jungle. Right. Um, so you would have one sacred site in mountain, one sacred site in, in, in jungle, and you would draw a power card. That's an interesting start. But you could also take Growth 3 and pre prepare to defend a new land. So this basically comes down to like, 
what is the initial exploration? If it's jungle and you have Dahan in that jungle where you have one presence, then I would say go ahead and defend it. Like mm -hmm. that seems like that seems decent. And it's what's weird about that opening is you're probably not playing anything unless you end up drawing a uh, minor power yeah. that you can actually play, which I can't obviously predict at this point what you're going to end up with. Sure. But I would say if anything else comes out of the invader deck as far as uh, exploration, I would consider taking growth three so that you can place a presence in a new land where you have uh, invaders already and you can get a little energy. Um, getting that plus two energy uh, off top is a good way to like prepare yourself for your stronger turns that are going to happen like turn two or yeah. even turn three. Right. Um, if you look at our unique powers, most of them cost three. We start with two energy. Uh, two plus two for taking growth three is four. And our best combo is a one energy card and a three yeah. energy card. So that's a big hint right there, I right. would say. I think it's almost always going to be growth three, but growth two does happen if jungle is is the deal. Sure. Um, and also it's good to grab powers. Which well, and it's it's worth noting too i mean you you know when, when a thing says add presence one away you can do zero away it's not like it's not an option to to go less so if even if that jungle is like a critical spot and you want to drop a second sacred site down like you it, it is still an option for you so the the energy thing i think makes a lot of sense to me and how you describe it of like hey i can unlock the quicker i get card draw i'm getting plenty of energy i don't need the you know, four energy right away or whatever, those presents you're dropping to get into two cards where you can drop the, that one and three cost by like turn two or three or whatever. I think that makes a lot of sense. Well, I don't know. Because I, I, I do want to... Well, I mean, maybe, maybe this is where we transition. Because I would say anytime you're creating a sacred site as vital strength, you should be taking a power card. Yeah. Um, there's so much in the deck that, that is going to help you right. uh, and help augment your start. Um, because that's the whole thing is well here let's let's just do it all right i think so, that makes sense i i I'm, I'm not trying to dispute the point because i do think like you've even said we said half your starting cards aren't that useful so get, obviously the card draws right. a pretty clutch thing so yeah I, I understand the point of like if you're gonna do zero away you might as well look for more cards because you could actually get a one cost card that's going to be relevant next turn as opposed to i'm waiting till turn three before i finally yeah. play a card right right well, yeah. So let's let's just talk about powers. Let's yeah. talk about what's in that deck that could be useful for vital strength. Now, this is a section of this podcast that could get really in the weeds, yeah. and I really don't want it to. So instead, I have selected four minor powers, and I've selected three major powers to talk about. These mm -hmm. are these are cards that are in the deck. They're not all in just base game, um, but I tried to focus on base game mostly just to be economical. And the whole point is that I've selected these cards more to talk about the principle of the card and mm -hmm. how it helps us yeah. because a lot of the cards have very similar effects. So hopefully if I tell you about one card and why it's good, you might see a similar card and think, oh, yeah. that's a that's a good point. Like that's, that's what I should be looking for yeah. in the deck. Um, and we'll see if, you know, feel free to respond to this section negatively if you feel negative about it, <laughs> because the alternative is we read every single card in the deck every single episode. Um, so it's like a hundred cards. Want, There's like 150 yeah. cards. If you want us <laughs> to easy. read a hundred <laughs> cards for each spirit and say yay or nay, go ahead. How about you go ahead and throw that out there and give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts while you're at it. Five stars. I made them read a hundred cards every week. Yeah. Um, 
But yeah, let's start with uh, the minor powers. Um, again, these are just cards that I'm using to stand in for an idea. Um, but first one I want to talk about is Elemental Boon. This is a quick action. Um, it costs one energy. Uh, its range is uh, whatever. And the target is any spirit. Um, the target spirit, the effect is that the target spirit gains three different elements of their choice. Mm. If you target another spirit, you also gain the chosen elements. So you pretty should pretty much always target yeah. another spirit. Hopefully you have some overlap with the elements you want and what other spirits want. Um, I don't know, you know, I, I didn't do, I didn't do a lot of research there, but luckily we're talking about getting three, uh, extra elements and guess how many elements we need for <laughs> our innate power. It's three. Yeah. It's always going to be sun, earth, and plant for us. Um, and what this allows us to do is obviously spam that innate power earlier. The likelihood that there is going to be somebody on the table that has something worthwhile uh, that we can double is very high yeah. because guess what? You have stuff that we would like to double. <laughs> so at bare minimum, even in a solo game, I would say using your innate power more is very, very good. Yeah. Um, if you're using it even just on uh, your, your, what is it called? Draw, draw of the fruitful earth, which is what allows you to gather Dahan. Being able to gather Dahan very strategically and move them around uh, at double speed uh, is a pretty big boon for a faction or for a spirit. I keep wanting to call them factions. I know, me too. For a spirit <laughs> that basically uses the Dahan as their primary offensive capabilities. Yeah. Um, so yeah, quite good. Elemental boon. Um, for our second slot, I've actually cheated. I'm going to mention three um, minor powers here, but they all basically have the same idea innate in them. I'm calling these uh, the gifts. So there's a gift of constancy, living energy, and power. Yeah. Um, these are pretty much, I would say, they're also zero uh, energy costs, and they are uh, quick actions. These are basically good for any spirit that has a slow start, as they both they basically all help with tempo. Yeah. Um, and I really like const constancy. Is that what it's called? Yes. Yeah, constancy, uh, because that one has uh, happens to have an earth uh, element on it. Uh, but just to read here, I'll just read you one of them. I'll, I'll read Constancy. Yeah, I've got it right here. Uh, it's a sun and an earth, zero cost, fast power, targets any spirit. Target spirit gains two energy. At end of turn, target spirit may reclaim one power card instead of discarding it. And if you target another spirit, you may also reclaim one power card instead of discarding it. Yeah. Uh, so, like... We're a spirit that starts with four cards, and I don't really care about two of them. <laughs> We're going to be reclaiming a lot. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. we want to get, we pretty much want to have, if we could just have the same turn yeah. every turn uh, and then add in some of these good powers, that's like kind of what vital strength is about, in my opinion. It's like, uh, you know, growth one and then growth two. Or if yeah. we have to do growth, growth three is just less. It would be great if we were just accruing energy yeah. at a tempo that is going to allow us to get about four every single time. Yeah. Uh, and then from there, we just keep moving the Dahan and hitting. Uh, and and that's, that's what I want to see anyways. Um, okay. So we've got these first two that we've talked about. I feel like these are both like, we essentially want to have powers that grant us access to our innate ability, which is Elemental Boon. Mm -hmm. And then the gifts are like anything that like, Helps us get ahead tempo-wise yeah. is gonna be useful. 
Um, but let's talk about my third minor power we have here. So this is Enticing Splendor. This is a zero energy cost, which is probably my favorite aspect of it. Um, <laughs> it is a quick ability. It's range zero from presence, so that's a little tough. And you must target a non-blighted land. Um, so this is gather, the effect is gather one explorer or town, and then gather up to two Dahan. So this is kind of a, I'm going to also kind of augment and add even more gather abilities so that we, when we're not playing draw, we still have a way to gather Dahan. Um, right. And yeah, it, it also gives us one sun, one plant, which is useful for our innate power. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it costs zero. I don't know. It just feels like a, like a good way to kind of move things around. I mean, I, if you, there's going to be a ravage in a land where you don't really have anything going on, but maybe you have like a Dahan or two there moving, uh, moving a town in and saying, Hey, the Dahan are just going to kill this. Cause I'm yeah. like defending it. Right. Um, that's great. Uh, moving the explorers around so that they can't build. That's great. Uh, yeah. This is going to enable you to do that, and it's zero energy costs, so I, I th- it just like fits in very neatly. I think in general, with defensive factions or Dahan-based factions, utility like this, or control maybe is a better way to put it, is like your most vital resource, right? I mean, again, we're going to talk about gathering and pushing a lot later, too, but that's because when you're playing a spirit that's like not all about just getting everywhere really fast to go like tackle everything it's about bringing the problems to you instead right right so these gathers are specifically doing that i'm defending all over here i i i you know <laughs> describing a strategy where it's like i'm vital i move one and then i turn it into a sacred site and then i move like one or two away and i turn yep. that into a sacred site and it's like you know it's seven turns before we're like even in three spaces confidently or whatever and so True. the idea of throughout that entire process constantly like I can't get to where the problem is. I just need to pull the things over here is I, I think in general how you play these defensive factions. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Last minor power I want to talk about for this section is called Sky Stretches to Shore. This is a one energy cost as well. I like uh, I'm I don't know if you've noticed. Cheap. I'm actually trying to keep the energy cost low. <laughs> yeah. Um we're we're about getting a lot of uh, a lot of value, especially in the early game, off my minor powers, and them yeah. being cheap. Um, would would you ahead. say you dig into the bottom track more? Like, do you are you trying to draw cheap cards and boost that uh, card play number up as much as you yes. can? Yeah. Yes, I'm more okay. interested in the bottom track than I am in the top track. Gotcha. Um, we want to be able to play more cards. Yeah. Um, that's that's I would say our first priority. Um, so uh, Sky Stretches to Shore, it's one energy cost, it's a quick action, it's range is, uh, and the target is any spirit. It's a, it's a target, a spirit yeah. card. Um, so this turn, uh, or this target spirit may use one slow power if, as if it were quick, or vice versa. Uh, but you're going to do it. Yeah, you're, probably <laughs> you're going to do, do that one. One. <laughs> one slow to quick. You're probably not going to do it the other way around. Um and then the target spirit gains plus three range for targeting coastal lands only. This is really good because this is going to let us play Rituals of Destruction before a build action can happen. Mm. We're going to go ahead and clear out explorers before they build. And that's called momentum right there. Once we get the <laughs> momentum going, that's how we get ahead. And once we're ahead, the fact that this faction is kind of or this spirit is kind of slow 
does not matter anymore. Right. Um, and also, don't forget about that plus plus three range. The fact that it's uh, targeting coastal lands is, I don't know, that part's whatever. But mostly, uh, vital strength is like pretty limited on range. Yeah. Uh, and thusly, we are a defensive faction that mostly defends ourselves and doesn't really <laughs> help out the other spirits so much. So if we had something like this, then it means that every once in a while we could say, hey, actually, you see that Dahan over there that you got? I can actually just have those Dahan do like five damage right, right now and right. help you out on your coastal land, um, which is, you know, don't forget that. That's uh, that's definitely something you want to eventually be thinking about. Yeah. Um, also, the card has one sun and one earth sign on it. Um, so that's good. O honestly, all, all of these cards have... Yeah. Uh, except for maybe not all of the gifts, but all of them have some sort of elements in common with our innate powers. That's something I'm also kind of striving for yeah. in my recommendations here. So that's that's four minor powers, but there's always the alternative that we are a high income, low card play yeah. faction. We have two cards you've identified as uh, maybe we can toss them out the you know out the window so yeah. majors feels like an obvious place to go is there a, is there specific ones that you are on the hunt for or yeah, styles got, of ones i guess i should say yeah i've got three kind of styles of majors that i really like um the first one is really obvious and was like definitely made specifically for like maybe a couple uh spirits maybe both of our spirits yeah. actually it feels like they're kind of both references to it um but the first major is called uh trees and stones speak of war uh this is a two energy cost so this mm -hmm. is pretty cheap uh it's a quick action it's range one from presence and the target is a dahan land there must be dahan um and the elements are one sun one earth one leaf or, yeah that's us. Goes That's our smooth. thing. Yeah. Um, so for each Dahan in the target land, uh, they do one damage and they defend two. If you have two sun, two earth, two plant, you can push up to two Dahan, moving each uh, each's defend with them. So each Dahan gets a little extra defense. Actually, it's not a little. It's like, I mean, it's too it's a lot. It's too defense. <laughs> yeah. a lot. Uh, and they do a little bit of damage in... Uh, in the quick time, the the before mm -hmm. the before invaders act time, um, so this really this really helps you like get momentum on the invaders. I feel like um, it it's really good for clearing stuff out before it happens, and then pushing the Dahan into a ritual of destruction for our slow times. Yeah, um, I really anything that like is having the Dahan do more damage and moving them around is gonna be like ideal for our play style. Yeah, well, and I think too, it, with this style of card, the thing you are so often leaning into is, I mean, in, a, in I think an average game of Spirit Island, there's like a couple areas that are really bad. We've, as a group, let like these few territories get way out of whack and we're just sort of like letting that be the problem that exists. And we're dealing with everything else lightly, which means these area of effect defends like this, like the idea that I can take a bunch of Dahan, push them into like three different places, and all of those places now have defend too. That yep. probably sits really well with how our board presence is in general, where it's like, ah, we have this big tall tower over here of too much stuff, but then it's just like a town there and a town there and two explorers there and a town over there. And the hardest thing I find in my games is covering everywhere all at once and right. when you have those spirits or those powers that can just like listen i got this whole range over here covered that like 
sets so many things aside because then everybody with the spiky powers can truly focus on dwindling the big stacks that are like we're, we've been putting off or whatever. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I would say this power is easily uh, better than those two that I don't like so much. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and it just combos really neatly with Ritual of Destruction. Right. Um, I haven't had a game where I've had it yet, but I, I want it. Oh, I think about it. <laughs> um, okay. Let's talk about our second major. It is called Manifest Incarnation. It is a six energy cost, slow action, Woo! range zero from presence, and the target is a city land, a land with a city. Um, it is one sun, one moon, one earth, and one beast, um, or one animal, sorry. Mm -hmm. um, and the effect is, so six fear plus one fear for each town slash city and for each of your presence in a target land. Wow. Remove one city, one town, <laughs> and one explorer. Now that's removed, so you don't get fear sure. for those. Uh, you got plenty. You got plenty already. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you got plenty already. And then invaders in target land ravage. So this is a really great power for that big yep. wild play of like, you know what? They've been building up on the coast and it's just getting insane. But I have a sacred site there. If I clear, I have a sacred site and I have a few Dahan. If I clear, then everything is going to be all right there. Um, now, it's just invaders that, that ravage in the target land, so don't get confused about that. But what I'm saying here is we clear it out, and then the Dahan are going to finish it off later. Yeah. Um, and yeah, but you do, you do pretty much need the defense in order for it to be worth it. But that's a lot of fear to throw down, and yeah. we are not good at generating fear. Yeah. So this kind of like... I would say nicely augments our play style to make it so that we are at least contributing uh, on this action to some to a major amount of fear. Only works in city land, so you're probably only going to do it a couple times per game yeah. uh, at most. But each time, I mean, is it's pretty yeah. good. Pretty this effective. is one of those finishing moves where you're like, listen, we're if we can get to fear level three we'll be basically done with all the cities. This move could be the killing blow where it's like, I just did. 12 fear <laughs> yeah and then removed the last city from the board and automatic like this is just the game winning card that you sit there and like oh wait we actually had it locked up this whole time all i needed was the six energy to play this yeah absolutely all right last major let's talk about it it is called unrelenting growth it costs four energy it is a slow power the range is meh and the target is any spirit uh it is for elements it is one sun one fire one water one plant eh. Okay. Yeah, it sort of goes with this. We, we just don't have an earth. Uh, target spirit adds two presents and one wilds to a land at one space from presence. Yeah. Um, if you have uh, three sun and three plant in that land, add one additional wild and remove one blight. Target spirit gains a power card. Um, this is this is really wildly good for increasing our tempo. That's possibly allowing us to throw down uh, two presents and then two wilds. Yeah, which is just insane. Now removing the one blight probably not super necessary, but gaining a power card yeah, that's on huge. top of all of this that is really awesome. What sucks about it is I kind of feel. Like, it's more useful as an earlier game play. Mm -hmm. So the idea that you're going to have three sun, three plant at this point, probably not actually going to happen. Yeah. Um, but if you have the opportunity to do the three sun, three plant, you should absolutely do it. Um, and yeah, if, if you kind of follow along with this guide and you're taking only 
uh, sun and plant and earth stuff should be pretty easy to accomplish. Yeah. It's tricky because it's four energy and it's contributing one of those, but it's like, okay, I need at least two more cards to play that are both sun and plant to get here. And like you said, it's weird because wilds is specifically kind of a more useful early. I mean, maybe this this might be my my foolishness, but like wilds are there to block explorers, right? Yeah. Well, towards the end of the game, we're really not kind of concerning ourselves with the explorers anymore. We're just trying to well, knock out the cities and stuff to, to a certain extent, right? What I like about it is that you're sort of saying... Like, as as the vital strength is sort of locking down their yeah. side of the island, what you're sort of saying is, like, I don't even need to defend this anymore because they're just not going to be doing anything yeah, yeah. here for right. a while. Right. You know, so I, I do like that aspect of it, but I do think, like, it's a little bit specific about, like, where exactly you want to target that's going to be, like, the absolute best spot. Yeah. I, I would say to not worry about the, the, um, the wilds part too much. And just be excited that you are actually throwing down two more presents yeah. um, somewhere. Because, I mean, you always need another sacred site. So yes, it, right. it, it's definitely worth noting that this is just allowing you to do even more yeah. of your special ability. And so, a power card. <laughs> if you, if you and get it. A power if you card. happen to get it. <laughs> if you happen to get it, you also get a power card. So it it's like really, at the end of the day, the, the kind of vibe we're going for with the various powers are like, we like things that speed up our tempo because we're slow and we like stuff that allows us to work more with the Dahan, gathering them and pushing them around. And then we like stuff that just allows us to do uh, some some fear. Just give us some raw fear because we are yeah. we don't do, don't really do any so much damage. We, we do some. We do like five on yep. the regular, which isn't so bad. Um, but it's a lot of like, you know, the Dahan are killing this over here. They're mm -hmm. killing this over here and I'm defending them. And you're just kind of, you very slowly accrue fear, but you don't really have a way to kind of shortcut into it yeah. um, so much. Um, so let's uh, let's just kind of conclude here. I think it's kind of like a weirder spirit. It's a little tricky. Yeah. Um, it's not it's not easy, but you don't have a whole lot of options right. besides just kind of going into the power deck and finding some things that work with you. Keep your eye on the elements. I feel like they do a really good job of kind of guiding you into power cards that mm -hmm. are going to be helpful for you. Um, and focus on trying to any way you can kind of trick your tempo and kind of speed things up is going to be useful. Pay attention to whatever friendly spirits you have there. There, I played one uh, game with uh, I forget which spirit it is. I wish that this is like we're at such an early time with yeah. this game. But uh, there's a spirit that allows you to do slow powers as fast. Mm -hmm. uh, is it lightning that does that? Maybe it's lightning. Um, and I got that used on me a lot, and that was very fun. Um, being able to do uh, the Dahan damage early, the Ritual of Destruction early, mm -hmm. uh, is always going to be really helpful in getting some early momentum and kind of taking the heat off you in the early game. Um, but yeah, that's what I got. Oh, yeah. don't don't forget about that innate power though. Like the the yeah. being able to use an ability more than once, a power more than once. It's yeah. so, so good. Honestly, that's the thing we didn't talk very much about here, but is worth, yeah, really, really driving home is this idea that, I mean, the, the initial ab ability of it is pretty cheap, right? One sun, two mountain, two plant. We have that across all of our cards kind of all the time, but that's only for one power cards that you're going to do twice. But if you get those three cost, especially, there's so many three cost cards that, if, that feel like yeah. are especially in your wheelhouse, doing all of those twice is like a major deal, especially with how many of them are like, Sort of like that one card we talked about earlier where it's like I can defend in like a bunch of places at once. I think that was the more expensive one. But if you can get the spike up to it, like 
sending out massive waves in two different areas of this area of effect defense. Like that's where the late game power of this faction comes yeah. or the spirit comes from is the idea that, you know, we're doing this, you know, especially our favorite three cost power that you kind of referred to constantly doing that twice every other turn like we reclaim it just keep doing that like those are things yeah. that i think make a lot of sense to being able to do so it you you aren't playing a ton of cards because that that card draw play or that that card play track is like really tricky but the cards you do play hopefully you're doing them multiple times when the thing or yeah. again sometimes you're just targeting someone else and we can just be the boon to somebody else's territory the faster factions that get all over maybe you're only controlling two-thirds of your part of the island but you're enabling the faster factions spirits to get into your part of the island as well right like there, there's right. always that kind of a spirit synergy you can be looking for yeah um i would say overall though i really enjoyed the time that i put into this spirit yeah and uh, i'm looking forward to uh to playing them again uh, especially whenever we do the revised guide uh in two years <laughs> Because uh, that's how that's the rate at which this show moves. Uh, but yeah, this was really fun. I'm gonna miss them actually. To right? be honest, like starting another mm -hmm. spirit is gonna be a little bit like ah, you know. I, I hope I, I hope it sparks as well as uh, as this spirit does. I wish this spirit was more popular. Oh, also I want to thank um, Binks, uh, Jolnar Binks put out a little uh, yeah. or not a little, but put out a good, <laughs> a big good guide for Vital Strength of Earth, and yeah. I did read it. But I read it sort of after I'd kind of put my thoughts together. But yeah. it's a good guide. You should check it out. If you want especially more recommendations of power cards, yeah. check out Binks' guide. Right. It is uh, probably it's probably pinned in the episode uh, uh, yeah, channel it, it's, on our Discord It was now. posted in Priorata, so it's it's over there. What I think we're going to do like after this episode now is like officially get a Spirit Island channel on the Discord. Channel. Like We'll have these episode channels where you can come talk about it, but like we did with Root, we kind of eventually yeah. just started a Leader Games channel. I think we're going to want kind of just an open forum for Spirit Island stuff. So yeah, keep, keep an eye out for that, and we'll probably pin the Binks uh, guide into that for, for everyone yeah. because Binks is kind of known as the person who likes earth a lot okay so yeah, yeah it, it, it was definitely a good one okay let's take a quick little break and then it's my turn okay welcome back it's my turn it's thunder speaker and yeah. i just i gotta lead this off with uh this is a yin and yang episode because uh these two spirits i think are very similar to each other in sort of their overarching goals with completely diametrically opposed uh processes where hunters oh, was slow and plodding mine is turning on a knife's edge at every possible moment and everything like roll with the punches do whatever okay that that's my take now i'm sure there's expert level players playing at the max level where it's like no no no, no you must be very meticulous but i'm talking base <laughs> level you know when we're, we're talking in in our baby shoes down here spirit island you can just do whatever with thunder speaker i think complexity wise they are rated as moderate i think they're low to easy because everything in this spirit synergizes with itself and it's just 
always so obvious what you should be doing basically every cool. single turn and you can just decide to do something this turn and next turn oh i can do a different thing now so I, this is such a good starter spirit i'm so glad it was my first one because it has been i was like attracted to them immediately after one game i was like oh this is the one i'm gonna start with let's talk about their lore it's hilarious uh they are the child of lightning this is important but it's also that's funny lightning lightning's first lightning strikes and then thunder comes later so the, the ah, thunder is the child of the lightning oh thank you Isn't, for explaining that. Isn't that cute? That's so cute. Now I get it. Uh, also, there's a whole bunch of weird, goofy stuff about Thunder, but basically, Thunder was imprisoned by some sort of other thing that happened, and then the Dahan are the ones that freed Thunder, and so Thunder became the sort of patron saint of Dahan and sort of yeah. embodies Dahan. He shows up, he or she or they show up. It's it can. There's even a specific note in here about the Thunder Speaker adopts whatever gender best suits them for the moment. It, there's so much fun stuff with Thunder Speaker. Ah. Just like I am flexibility incarnate. I am anything and I am everything whenever I want to be. But their big hook is that they are the Dahans best buddy they are just there to basically be a dahan sometimes they are literally a dahan that's leading the charge of many many dahan and uh anytime you see artwork with dahan in it especially if they have glowing crackly eyes it is probably rele relevant to this spirit that's that's oh. their whole big thing that actually does explain some of the art that i've seen on, yes. on some of these cards actually yeah. so that's cool yeah so uh their setup is to put just two presents on your starting board, one in each of the two lands with the most Dahan. So we don't even start with a sacred site uh, with, with these folks. And honestly, not something I focus on very much. There is a no mention of sacred site in any of their basic abilities. You would have to draw a new card that cares about a sacred site before you're ever going to care about that. So this is also oh. a faction that's going to like probably just spread all over the place. Uh, let's talk about our special rules. We have ally of the Dahan. Your presence may move with the Dahan. Whenever Ooh, a Dahan cool. moves from one of your lands to another land, you may move one presence along with it. So those gather and push abilities we talked about earlier, we push yeah. a Dahan and we just kind of tag along. We hitch a ride with them and go wherever they're going, which means we can get all over the map anytime we want to, basically, as long as we've got the cards or as long as somebody has the cards, right? If if Hunter pushes and my presence was there, I can move with Hunter's push because I'm moving with the Dahan. So we can just get anywhere we want any old time. This, yeah, that's very cool. It's very cool. This comes at a massive cost, though. After a Ravage action destroys one or more Dahan, for each Dahan destroyed, destroy one of your presence within one. So even adjacent Ooh. territories. So... You don't want Dahan to die. Now, I'll say this much. We are swinging enough as a faction where we could come back from that. But honestly, based on all of our other stuff, you don't want Dahan to die anyways. Just don't let you... You are trying to make sure Dahan do not die on your watch. That is like your... I would take Blight. I would take Cascading Blight over a dead Dahan as the Thunder Speaker. That is, Dang. that's my take on them. I will let half Matt the island lose blight. the whole game. <laughs> no, because you won't Matt lose. That's the thing. As long as you've got Dahan, you will not lose, my friend. You, you cool. can have half the island blighted and you'll make it. I swear to you. I've seen it happen. We, we let so much happen on ours, but we were just like, doesn't matter. These 12 territories will never get touched because all the Dahan are just in stacks that are unimpeachable, basically. Right. Uh, your innate powers. I think this is one of the most innate powers 
powers, one of the most interesting innate powers I've experienced in the game, because it is also, like we've been, is going to be a focus, I'm going to bring it up over and over, it's highly, highly flexible. The first one, Gather the Warriors, is a slow power with a range of one, but you can target any land. And the, the, (laughs) let me read the second half of the power first. So, if you have a single animal, that is the prerequisite to do this power, right? I just need one animal. That's an easy cost. If I have the animal, I gather up to one Dahan per air that I have, and I push one Dahan per sun that I have, right? Weird. So there's no threshold. It's just as much air and sun as I have in this play, I can move some Dahan around. Now, in addition to that, if I have four air, this power can be fast, right? So there's a mid-game threshold I can hit where right. I'm gathering and pushing before Ravage happens, before build happens, all of that kind of stuff. So again, this is ultimate flexibility. I can, on this turn, play two sun, one air. I'm going to gather one and push two. And the other big thing with this is they're in kind of whatever order you need them to be, right? But because it's gather and push, Dahan on my turn can move up to two territories, is the idea. I can gather into my target land and then push from my target land, meaning they go from one side of my target to the other side of my target, meaning I can get Dahan like all over the place all the right. time. And I'm moving my presence with that Dahan anytime I want to do that. Okay. So right. I'm, I'm pulling in that turns into a sacred site. I push them away and they go wherever else you get these big stacks. That's going to come into play later as well. Our second ability operates in a slightly similar way but a little bit less flexible uh it's also slow its range is zero so it's got to be where we are uh but it can target any land as long as we're there and it's a either two sun one fire cost to destroy one town for every two dahan in a target land again we can gather push build a big stack oh it's six to Han. i deal three damage or i destroy right. three towns right the upgrade to that is four sun three fire which i will note that's a trick that's high that's a high cost for this faction four sun three fire is not something i pull off too often uh it is destroy one city for every three Dahan in the target land okay mm-hmm. so massive destruction if we can get the stack up there and once again if we get four air this power may be fast. And let me tell you, you're going to have four air. This the, you get These powers are fast a lot of the time. Maybe not early game, but by the mid and late game, you have four air quite often. Um, there's an air even in your presence. Let's talk about our presence tracks real quick before we do our growths. Um, we are really, really slow on what our presence provides us. That's the big difference. When Hunter says Earth's presence gets up to eight, that sounds ridiculous to me because my presence is one, and then an air symbol, and then two income, and then a fire symbol, and then a sun symbol, and we max out at an income of three energy per turn. Wow. Total. So not a lot of cash, okay? Not a lot of cash on we'll, hand, yeah. We'll, we'll fix that. It's okay. Our second track is also mediocre in card play. It's one, and then two, and then two. So a, a while before we see our three spike. And then after three... We gain the ability to every single turn reclaim one card without fail. Just every turn we reclaim one card and then it's another three and then it's four. So we're locked into three cards for like a while. So much to the point where I would say like you don't really even think about that fourth card play much at all. That's that's if you're having a great game and you get the presence out there. But yeah, in general, the presence track 
there's a lot of dispute about which one of these is the right one to go for because they both have their like kind of major drawbacks. But more important than that, let's talk about our growth abilities because that's where this faction uh, is is actually a beast. And and this is the most flexible part of our, our thing. So our reclaim action is adding no presence at all. It's having a turn where we say nothing is going to get better, but I'm going right. to draw two power cards. So I reclaim and draw twice. That can be a Ooh. minor and a major. It can be two majors. It can be two minors, whatever. I think for a while, you're going to stick with minors uh, because we don't necessarily want to get rid of any of our cards right out the gate. We do not have two dead cards like Hunter did with Vital Strength of Earth. We like our starting hand. Uh, and we'll talk about that more later. But getting even more cards sounds great. Our second ability is to add presence to a land with Dahan up to two spaces away and add presence to a land with Dahan up to one space away, right? So we have a double expand action. We can just sweep out, right, all of a sudden. Those two slots can be the same space if we really want them to be. It's not a big deal. But uh, we, we have this, like, nuke of spreading our presence and really jumping those thresholds in our two tracks, right? We can, we can go from two to three easily because we can do both of them at once. Um, and then finally, our third growth action is to add one presence, uh, one away, up to one away, and it does not have to have to Han. That's super noteworthy, by the way, because right. the limitation of only adding presence on the other one to where there's to Han can be sometimes annoying. It's really hard to expand into totally new territory outside of your abilities where you're pushing yourself with your to Han to just like make new ground. This is your only way to do it is with the, this ability. But also with this ability is gain four energy. And here is why we don't care that we max out at three, because literally we could just do this one every single turn. Think about how Hunters was like, do a presence and get something else. Do a presence and do something else. We could add a presence anywhere and gain four energy every single turn and be swimming in energy if we wanted to, right? That is absolutely like an option, basically. And that's basically true for all three of these abilities is they are all such dynamic spikes in their particular direction that... You can look at your turn and just kind of be like, what do I actually need this turn? And I can push myself hard enough in that direction to accomplish any goals, as opposed to Vital Strength the Earth was like, I got to look at what's exploring now so that I know what to start doing now to then approach the problem when they ravage, basically, right? Right. We don't have to think like that at all. We just look at the turn and put the stuff where we need to go, and we're going to move stuff within the turn itself, right? So uh, I think this is an incredibly good growth uh, set in addition to incredibly good innate powers. And the innate powers are so good, in fact, and such a critical part of everything we're doing that those, I would say, dictate more of my play than anything else. Um, Hunter, you had a big focus on like, we got to find more powers to do useful things. I don't care about powers. I care about elements on cards <laughs> and the powers are extra things I do on top of that. Sure. But yeah, I want yeah. to gather the warriors and lead the furious assault fast and with a lot of them, right? They, they scale the, the gather the warriors, especially scales up the more I do it. It's one gather per air, one push per sun. So if I can get five air three sun like i have a huge amount of movement on the board uh available to me so let's talk about our unique power cards so we can get an idea of where this is all going uh our unique power cards uh have a lot more growth to them than hunters did hunter you were one energy and then three three and three right yeah <laughs> this yep. is zero energy expensive. one energy 
two energy and three energy. We have like an obvious curve up to like when we want to be playing things. But also remember, at any point, we can just gain four energy plus our standard income. You know, uh, you know, we baseline can gain five energy anytime we want, which means we can always play these cards uh, uh, kind of whenever we want to. So let's go through them real quick. Uh, our Voice of Thunder is a zero-cost slow card that gives us sun and air. Guess what? Both of those are useful to the things we do. Uh, I'll note, actually, on the front end, just so I don't have to say it every single time, every single one of our starting cards has air on it, right? And right. air was a low threshold on our uh, our energy track of our presence. So, like, right. getting to that four air threshold, like I said already, is not hard to do it all fast. of our cards have air yeah so uh this is a slow card with one range uh targeting any space and you can either push up to four dahan or if invaders are present generate two fear i don't generate the fear that often but sometimes you're trying to do it to like activate that threshold but pushing four dahan well, that's huge because also keep in mind we're doing our gather push and eight power as well, right? So I can push, then gather, then push again. Right. That's how much this stuff keeps stacking. So I, I like this one. It's nice that it's cheap. It's slow, though. Uh, it's not necessarily like critical to our strategy. So uh, what I like about this, though, is yes, that that or if invaders are present, uh, you get two fear. Uh, because you can turn that into a fast power with your innate, yep. it means that if you ever get into that situation where it's like, oh, actually, if we have one more fear, then we'll trigger another fear effect. You always want to do that before the invaders ravage so that you can get yeah. the effect right away. Um, and I always am looking for abilities that are going to get me to accrue fear, but before invader before actions. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's good. I, I'll note that would be if we get another power from someone else that you know, one of, the, one of those cards that turns slow into fast. Our innate powers only turn themselves from slow into fast, oh, not necessarily right. okay. our power cards. But regardless, there are there's cards out there that I've seen almost in every game that's like someone right. turns a slow into a fast. That definitely happens. Uh, next up is Words of Warning. This is a two or a one cost sun, air, and animal. So animals clutch, right? Half of our cards have animal on them, and that's the one that actually unlocks our... Um, are really really good innate power gather the warriors that, that that's a thing that's easy to get tripped up onto because you you actually don't see animal as often in the types of cards that we want and you can like be fully relying on gather the warriors and then look at your play and be like wait i didn't get a single animal down and that's like the oh, one no. thing that would have changed all of this so you end up relying on these animal cards even more purely because of the animal symbol less because of their abilities but let's talk about the ability it is a fast card with a range of one that must target a land with dahan it's a defend three and during ravage dahan in the target land deal damage simultaneously with the invaders now i'm gonna say the second half of that seems cooler than it is in effect because with the defend three most of the places we're targeting this with we're, we don't want our dahan to hot to die anyways so we're not really putting them in enough harm's way where like the defend is what's covering this so them right. attacking at the same time generally has like no effect but it is our only defend card in our basic deck and we want to defend because we're doing all of our stuff with the Dahan. They are our workhorses. We're putting them everywhere to then kill explorers and, and towns and cities. So we need this card pretty often because it's animal and because it's our only defend. I would say this is the one that we end up recycling back into our hand. We reclaim it kind of as often as possible uh, just because it's a necessary part of our plans. Next up, our two cost card is Sudden 
Ambush. This is a fire, air, and animal. So this is our second animal card that we could use to activate our, our big ability. Uh, it is fast. It's one range, and it targets any land. And it's you may gather one Dahan. Each Dahan destroys one explorer. And again, that's before invader actions. This is a fast ability, so we can cut off builds right away. Right. Um, which is m one of our bigger issues is actually dealing with explorers. We don't have a lot of tools to dealing with specifically explorers. We can deal with cities and towns. That's one of our innate abilities is just blowing up cities and towns. But usually the explorers kind of run rampant. So having this ability, I would say it's costly for how often we actually kill explorers with it, right? Two energy to like maybe kill one or two explorers is tricky. But it comes in in a pinch. And again, it's that critical animal ability that we need when words of warning is in our discard pile basically it's the costlier way to unlock our first innate ability it's cool that the dahan each uh, destroy one explorer because i feel like uh i feel like yeah if you're just removing the towns and cities via your innate mm -hmm. ability then it feels like they're just going to keep building up and yeah. you're not getting you're like while you might be slowing them down you it's it's key to get that tempo to completely remove the right. invaders is the goal. Yeah, exactly. It's that that would I would say is like the trickiest part for me is like you're always keeping them at bay because you're slowing down the cities and towns, but you're never stopping the process. You're just right. That's why you have to be your head on a swivel, too, as this faction is because it's like, well, the explore is the thing. I didn't know what card it was going to be, and then I can't deal with it. So it's like. There's always this thing of like that upcoming build is where I need to get my targets to because I'll kill the stuff as soon as they've built it. Right. I'll just kill right. the cities, but I just can't deal with the explorers themselves. I'll have I'll have like eight explorers all across my territory, but like three cities and towns total or whatever. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So our final card is the absolute clutch one, and it's the one you'll see people write about the most. It's three costs, so it's our most expensive uh, power card. It is a sun, a fire, and an air, so it really feeds directly into our second innate ability to actually kill towns and cities. Uh, it's slow. Its range is zero, so it's got to be where our presence is. Again, we maybe spread our presence pretty wide, so that's not actually that debilitating of a thing as compared to, like, vital strength of Earth's zero range abilities that are only covering, like, three areas. We might be in, like six or seven areas on the map anyways you target right. a land with dahan uh, which is where our presence is anyways almost every time so that's fine that's an easy thing to do it generates one fear that's nice gee thanks for that but then each dahan deals damage equal to the number of your presence in the target land so that's exponential right i have let's say i have one dahan two presence the one dahan deals two damage but I'm the faction that moves all of these Dahan around with all of my stuff. Mm -hmm. And this is a three cost card, right? This is sort of my, this is my mid game nuke. I right. pull and gather and do all that. I have four Dahan in this territory and I've decided this turn to put three presents there. So all four of those Dahan each do three damage. <laughs> Right, right, and the it's only, a slow ability. So yes. for all you know, you moved all of your yes. presence there. This exactly turn. after yeah. the. I mean, they they could the the explorers could have done their own thing. They had their turn, and then I just walk in right afterwards and kill every single thing that's there. I use this with this is the thing. Manifestation of power and glory is sometimes a reason why you have access to doing gather the warriors fast, but you just don't. You just do it slow anyways because it's like, well, listen, I'm gonna like do a bunch of gathering the warriors and then right. manifestation and kill 12 damage worth of stuff. But the key here is 
uh, it's got to survive, right? So you're not doing this. This isn't part of Ravage, but again, you've got to keep your Dahan alive to be able to do this. But this is a card you see people talk about. You know, it's only three cost. We have an ability that's four energy. If I just pick four energy two turns in a row and and like one reclaim in between, I just manifestation power glory, get more money, re reclaim it, ran manifestation to power and glory. Like I can nuke the early settlements. Like I can clear my board almost right, right. away. That, right. that with, with how slow the game kind of kicks off, especially a lower. I mean, th this is why as a as a simpler adversary, you know, your, your level ones, your level two adversaries, Thunder Speaker just is a is an annihilator <laughs> because the, unless you have an adversary that comes out swinging to go toe to toe with your ability to come out swinging, it's hard to lose as Thunder Speaker to be totally real with you at, at these uh, simpler things. Uh, we'll, we'll talk about like what the. The complications are though but let's let's just sort of talk about the strategy with all of these abilities then right we have air out the wazoo we get a lot of sun we get a decent amount of fire and we have a couple cards that provide us that animal to to move our stuff around we are highly flexible and our growth powers let us turn on a dime to address the needs of the turn but also offer interesting multiple round combos again you can you can plan for specific double expansions into that unlocking a specific number of card draws while also gaining the requisite number of energy to do it, right? There's there's little plans you can come up with, but it's always like within an ecosystem of two to three turns at a time. We're not thinking four turns down the road of what our engine's going to look like necessarily. I say that. There's definitely players that are doing that because they're smarter than me. But I think at this early level, you get to be as flexible as you want to be. You also technically could choose to slow play this flak faction that's part of the flexibility is you don't have to be fast punching everything you can get a lot of presence on the board very very fast if you just take the two presence uh growth action for like the first three turns in a row you have a massive amount of presence on the board and that's ramped up your element engine or maybe you spike to try to get the reclaim in your uh card play presence track right there there are specific plays that rely on let's spike one of our presence tracks to sort of unlock right. a, a broader idea of what our engine can look like but there's flexibility even within those ideas there's like two different fronts you can go for um so you can come out swinging like we said we can do the manifestation twice play or whatever and just hit them before they can do anything about us and then we spend the rest of the game helping our neighbors sections of the island more than even our it's like oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll deal with like the one guy over there but then i can come get into your area and help you deal with whatever else i want to do um we lean into two things i would say manifestation as a killing blow we, we spread out we do all sorts of stuff and then we have a big turn where everything suddenly coalesces into one territory and just nukes the place and also activating our innate powers as fast as possible to control where those actions are taking place until we can manifestation right curbing damage as much as possible until we decide to manifest uh with with the big nuke card um i think the trickiest part to all of this is we don't have a lot of defense actually we have all these movement powers right but we don't we're it is hard to keep the dahan alive if we're doing all of this we really rely on our fellow spirits to lend us defend abilities and it's always like you could defend over there or you could defend me over here and i'll kill everything 
And that ends up being the argument or d- discussion you have with a lot of your fellow spirits is like, how much are they lending to you for that to really ramp up what you're capable of versus, you know, how much can they do on their own? Uh, right. It, it is, and I think it's good to follow this after Vital Strength of Earth because it's like, how often is your thing sort of similar? Where it's like, I'm just sort of defending. I'm just sort of keeping things ready until we nuke. If your defenses could in some way help where my uh, stuff, you know, my Dahan also are, and you have the ability to push them Dahan my way, or I have the ability to push Dahan your way with my presence, we can drop our nukes in like two fronts at once or whatever and like have sort of massive sweeps of the board every few turns. So yeah, that sounds awesome. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I don't know, I don't know if that's actually possible, but that's cool <laughs> if it is. That's cool right. if you can do that. Yeah, uh, we don't have to lean hard into our fast and eight powers because these things can always be used slow. And if we are playing with high defense, we can always just respond to what happened this turn, right? So we have the option of either kill stuff before it's a problem, always be on top of ravages. I've played those games, right? Where it's just like, who's ravaging this turn? That's what I'm going to target. And I can always upend the ravage. Or we have defenses. We expect what's going to happen. And then all my slow play stuff is to just wipe up after and make sure there's not any, you know, overly hurt areas. Um, you you launch your devastating blows on counterattacks as opposed to getting ahead of them. You basically have the choice though within your toolkit is like, do I want to kill them first or second? Mm, depends on how what my fellow spirits are, right? I get to play with the other spirits as much as possible. What's ever going to make things more effective, lead to more blood <laughs> on the invaders. Um, you can leave a space empty of Dahan, let it get hurt, right? But not kill Dahan, then bring the Dahan in and then kill everything after the fact, right? That's that's what the slow power can allow you to. You push stuff out and then you pull stuff in after the fact or whatever. So I've covered a lot about how this is very flexible. We can talk about opening moves. I want to say this. I never went into my games with like a strong plan for my exact opening moves. I think this faction is strong enough that you can just, again, do exactly what you want to do. Play with it. Yeah. So I'm pulling from some pre-errata here for, for, for some opening moves from some really clever people. I got three different opening moves, but I think it's really telling that three different smart players came up with three different very strong opening moves that are right. all like the point here is again in that flexibility of like I, I, I hate to tell you it doesn't matter you probably have a way to make all of this work no matter what you do it's it's a right. very strong faction so it's all based around what is our growth plan uh, on each of these turns so let's start with Brian's suggestions Brian says we can growth uh, two three times in a row so this is our two presence to the board three times in a row so we're getting six presents out on our first three turns of the game and uh in brian's case it was to unlock all of our top track to get our air our fire and our sun off the ground right away we basically clear that entire track we're gaining three income per turn that's enough to maybe keep up with kind of our powers and we're immediately diving into the innate powers And you use that to just start doing innate stuff over and over again. Push, pull, push, pull, kill towns, kill cities. You kind of accomplish all of it. What you're limited by, obviously, is your card play. So, you know, immediately after those first three things, you start having to lean really heavily into either drawing more new cheap cards or uh, 
getting, I mean, you, you basically have to do that at the very least. Like you got to start getting cards to start playing stuff. In one of those situations though, I think Brian even recommended you don't play any cards the first like two turns or at least the very first turn. You just don't even have an action. You're just, uh, it's about getting presence on the board to plan for the big spike later. You're going to do like a massive manifestation on turn three or four or whatever, right? Yeah, well, I mean, if you're using all of these innate powers so frequently, then yeah. I mean, it doesn't really matter whether you're playing a power or not, especially if you're accruing energy to right. eventually possibly transition into some major powers yeah. to do some uh, some big plays later. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, I'll, I'll kind of put it in um, Brian's words to, to maybe help uh, because uh, I think he spells it out more clearly. I like to double grow top track, play nothing, double grow bottom track, play defend and nuke those are the two cards we talked about earlier uh with four energy i had from the previous round double grow bottom track again to reclaim one play the defend only after we've just reclaimed it right we just keep using this defend to keep things right. in line and then double grow top track and dump my hand knowing that my innates are fast right so we, we in in this situation we're talking about is that four in a row? No, that's still three in a row, but we've bounced back and forth. We got up to three cards per turn, which we're reclaiming one every single turn, and we are already up to at least our fire symbol on the top track, right? Wow. Yeah. yeah. So we've we've cleared most of our tracks and are just sort of doing whatever. Uh, finally, reclaim and prioritize things with air first and foremost, then sun and fire on the same card, which we'll get into in a minute. We're going to talk about power cards, but it's actually very simple what we try to go for. Uh, but let's talk about one of our other openers uh, that's very useful. Stads. Stads gave a bunch of options, but I can sort of uh, categorize them in, in a really easy way. One of Stads ideas is is essentially that same thing of the three growth twos, and it's it's the leaning into the top track, uh, which he says it's an extremely greedy opening that eschews your early momentum, but having consistent energy income and elements lets you ramp to a very formidable mid game. Uh, it's excellent against England and Scotland where the longer games and built-in resiliency of the invaders nullifies more momentum-focused builds. But it's a hard pass against more aggressive adversaries. However, we have a solution for aggressive adversaries that, that Stads provides us with, which is uh, you go from growth three, add a presence and gain four energy into an immediate reclaim. This is what we were talking about earlier. The most aggressive and spicy build manifestation is a broken card. This build aims to play it twice in the first two turns to nuke key lands and cut off invader adjacencies to prevent explorers. So that's the way we deal with the explorers is we don't let them even hit the board by killing the early cities and towns right out the gate, right? The, the, instead of killing explorers, we prevent them from ever appearing on the board in the first place because there's no cities for them to come out of. Right. Um, our other option and the most basic one from Stads' point of view is a growth three into growth two. You take the bottom track first for two card plays. Get that card play up. I do think that's pretty critical. We actually are not a... We, we never like to sit in one card per turn territory. That's that's like really tough mm -hmm. for us to deal with because we have cheap cards that only combo with the fact that we're trying to do an eight powers, right? We can't get four air if we're not playing three cards or whatever it is. Right, right. Um, but then you start going into the top track for air and two energy per turn. It gives you enough energy to play your starting cards as needed. The, it's the closest to a standard opening for Thundered Speaker. It's flexible and generalist. And I would say this is generally what I leaned into. It's just the like, it's kind of an open open order plan. But right. I, have, I have one more opener for you. And this is from user Dredge. And uh, it's 
fun to note that Dredge said their strategy comes very much from a spirit sort of agnostic perspective, which is to say Dredge does a lot of like randomized setups, which means sometimes they don't have any sort of spirit synergy. And I don't know how you were doing it, Hunter, but for me, we always like tried to find some synergy before we even started playing. Even if we were naive to like what the spirits were actually good at, we're always, when, when my group here in Arkansas is always like, do we have a defense? Cool. Do we have a fear generator? Yeah, yeah. Check. We like, like to have all team of the comp. boxes checked and have a team comp and we go into it with a team comp. And Dredge is saying, I come from a perspective of, we might not have a team comp and we might just have to deal with it. We're, we're doing random right. builds of spirits. Right. So, they play a much more hyper-focused, I'm going to deal with my land, you're going to deal with your land. We might not necessarily be able to rely on each other, although hopefully we will be able to. But right. this, is, this is a very self-focused uh, start. And it goes as such. Round one, you do growth three to add a presence from your play, your card play track to get up to two card plays. Uh, turn two, you do growth number three again to play from your card play track again, which does not improve you notably. Your your second turn yeah. is just keeping you at two card just plays. two cards. However, you've gained eight <laughs> energy in two turns plus your right. income, right? You've, you've gained a total of 10 energy in two turns. Round three, you do growth one, reclaim and gain two minor powers. You should have enough surplus energy to play two cards as you would have gained $11 by this point and only yeah. spent six. And now yeah. is where the real fun begins. Round four, at this point, you should have four cards in hand and two in the discard. So you take growth two, place both presents from the card play track to go from two cards to play to the reclaim step. We can play three cards and we reclaim one. Then nice. reclaim one of your two discarded cards. Half your discards are back in your hand. You have basically right. a fresh hand. And then you, uh, you use the reclaim every single turn after this. Round five, you have four cards in the discard and two cards in hand because we like dumped our hand in round four. You take growth option three and place from the top track, revealing the air symbol, and you still reclaim another discard, allowing you to play all three cards before reclaiming next round. So this was a very like mathematically thought out set of actions basically mm -hmm. where uh, Dredge and Brian even like had a back and forth conversation that I thought was fascinating. And Dredge's final take was, was this, this, this is what this gets you. And I think it's hard to understand for newer players, which is why, again, I led all of this with saying, listen, you don't have to overthink this. You are so flexible. You can do whatever actions you want, but just so you are aware of the capabilities in regards to Brian's first opener option in a total of four rounds you have played six cards compared to me playing nine cards in four turns. Wow. You have your fourth air around one round before me uh, and you have an extra sun for your right and eight, but I'm probably doing more to deal with the cities on the board. Yeah. Wow. So, yeah, that sounds like mathematically better. Take that, Brian. <laughs> Take that. There was rebuttals, but I won't get into the whole conversation at this point. But you, yeah, you let's could not let's not have the rebuttals read. in here. Let's just no. let's just make it sound yeah, like Brian, Brian lost, lost an argument, <laughs> and we don't even cover what else was. Exactly. What else do we need to cover? Brian lost, and here we are on our podcast. We did where it. We're team. in charge. Yep, we did it. Okay, let's talk about powers. Uh, mine is much simpler uh, than Hunter's because Vital Strength of Earth. It sounds like didn't like half their starting powers, and so it's all about getting some better cohesion in our hand. Whereas Absolutely. we start with like maximum cohesion, and we have a presence track that leads to even further cohesion. 
we don't require too many cards to just like keep doing what we do and yet we have an ability that gains us two cards at a time like we just get card draw even when we don't need it right so the focus for us is on those innate abilities if we look at four cards and only one of them has air I'm just going to take that. I don't care what the ability says at all. I want to unlock the fast ability for my moving Dahan around an eight ability. Our goal is to be able to move Dahan before enemy turns so that we can prep for good defenses used by maybe even some other player. But we get the Dahan there to kill them on the Ravage. We we love killing the enemies on Ravage rather than anything where it's like, oh, we just destroy stuff. You know, Manifest, we talk about cool card. We kill stuff after the fact, but we do most of our damage during the Ravage step if we put our stuff in the right place, especially if we're doing Gather the Warriors fast. Now, our second priority is Sun and Fire. Sun is especially useful because Sun is used in both of our abilities. The more Sun we have, the more pushing we do, and the more Sun we have, the more towns and cities we kill. Fire is our kind of third favorite thing and then we're always kind of looking for beasts too in general or animals i should say Uh, i didn't write it down in here but animals again we started only with two cards it'd be nice to have like one more animal card but i wouldn't choose an animal card that's a useless ability if all it was bringing me was animal i'll I'll find a more useful again we're doing enough card draw i can hold out for an animal card that it's also very useful for me there's a lot of them in there so um, outside of that, we're really just looking for cards that maybe offer us extra defense. Because again, we only started with one card with any real defense, which means it's very realistic that we're going to lose some Dahan early if we don't get right. that card draw right out the gate. That's why, honestly, I think I even had some games where I did the gain four energy into an immediate reclaim, not to do any manifestation play, but just like, let me cycle some more cards so that I can find defense. I just want early defense as a, as a safety net or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because uh, you would love if the Dahan can sort of do what Vital Strength allows the right. Dahan to do, which is to strike and then not die. Yes, exactly. Because when they die, that bad for yeah. you. Yeah, double bad for you because you also lose your presence and you lose uh, space on the board. So yeah. uh, the biggest thing, too, is if you can acquire a really healthy energy economy, especially from utility spirits, I mean... Hunter, I love that in yours, you noted some of your favorite cards as Vital Strength of Earth are gifting energy to other players. Because guess what? That's also my favorite power for other people to have. I love it when others are giving me all of their excess energy. I played multiple games where the other power was sitting on like a bank of 12 and they had nothing to do with it. So they were just handing me all of their extra power. And if I can get my card play up to like three cards per turn, I can use that power. I guarantee you I can use that power every single turn. The more cards right. I can play, I will I will get them out of my hand. Uh, we can dig into majors fast even. We're drawing two cards per turn, right? We get a lot of fluff. We can I can do two rounds of my reclaim action and have, what is it, eight total cards. I can start digging into majors in a big way and throwing out chaff from my hand and, right. and, and it right. not affect me at all. And I have, again, with that healthy energy income i can afford like any of the major powers and if i get my reclaim once i can play a re- i can play a major power every single turn over and over and over again if it's good enough right because i can just pull that card directly back into my hand with my reclaim presence track um i'll also note for expansion stuff once you get that we do like strife strife is is a handy thing any damage we can prevent to the dahan is helpful so even if it's not defense if we get abilities that that locks strife onto targets, right? That's super useful. We can just put strife on towns and then we don't need to defend there because they're not going to actually do any damage and then we're going to kill them anyways. So I I do like strife abilities. Um, But 
defending is generally more useful, but you know, who knows what cards you come up with. Um, let's talk about some specific things that I, I can mention here with powers. Uh, there for, for the miners, I mostly stuck with base game stuff. There might be one of these that's not a base game card, but uh, the only really, really specific stuff that I want to call attention to is again, we're, we're focusing on the elements. We're focusing on artwork that has Dahan on it. <laughs> You will not be steered wrong if you just see a card with Dahan on it, especially <laughs> if they got a little crackle of lightning, that power's good for you. I guarantee it. Um, but there's also the call cards. There's the call of the Dahan ways, call to bloodshed, call to isolation, call to migrate, call to 10. Mo call to 10. Most of these are good for you. Let's read a couple of them. So call to bloodshed is one cost. It gives you sun, fire, and beast. We use all three of those. No air. That's a big downside, I will say. It's slow with a range of one that targets a land with a Han, and it's one damage per Dahan or gather up to three Dahan. So again, a lot of times your power cards are doing this sort of thing, which is to say you would think win more. It's just more gathering or more damage per Dahan or whatever. And I, I feel like I spent a couple games thinking maybe I'm supposed to go get other stuff. But I eventually came to the idea that no, not really, especially if I can have a good synergy with at least like one neighbor. As long as we put the Dahan in the right place, everything else will fall into the right spot. But with with Call to Bloodshed, um, you know, you're just doing that bonus damage slow. So you've done a Ravage and then you sort of clean up the pieces with this Dahan. It's it's nice to have. And it's that beast that we're sometimes looking for uh, for cheap. There's Call to Isolation, which is a zero cost sun air beast so similarly good but this has a critical air that we like it's fast it's one range target a land with the han push one explorer or town per dahan or push one dahan this one's really cool because it allows us to mani manipulate the invaders instead of right. only getting the dahan where we need it this is a really useful tool to adding kind of what kind of range we need i mean the idea that you can push a town out of a territory that is about to ravage and then save the Dahan and then after the fact move mm -hmm. the Dahan into that territory you just moved the town into and then manifest the town right like we can avoid the damage and then move everything where it needs to go to then kill it all we're not killing right. in the base location but we've manipulated and and moved everything around enough to to do it where we need call to migrate similarly is a one cost fire air beast all stuff we like it's slow one range target anywhere uh, or, or any territory gather up to three to han push up to three to han this is exactly our innate power right it's literally just more mm -hmm. of our innate power but one of the limitations of our innate power that we didn't talk about earlier is the idea that it's kind of an all at once thing right that the, the idea that we can just target basically one area and gather and push from there has its limitations but if you put call to migrate in the mix and it's one away from your presence you can move dahan a total of four spaces across the board you can just put dahan anywhere on the map you want to if you have this card they literally go wherever at any time that that you need them to be there so um it's it's massive manipulation of these things and it's constantly keep them keeping them either out of harm's way or putting them into the ravages you know you're going to have defenses in next round because that card is slow i would say the biggest thing is that's where you might actually be looking at it for next round as opposed right. to like what you're doing with it this round because it's probably going to be a part of next round i'm going to be able to have enough air to do fast so let me move stuff really far now and then during the next next fast action i'll move them again and kill a bunch of stuff or whatever
Yeah, it's also range one away from your presence. Right. So you could use it to just move your whole thing yep. into there and then two away. Like literally you're you, you and your everything. presence. Yeah. Exactly. You got three to Han and your presence move into a land where you don't have anything and then push, they move out of that land, bringing your presence with you yep. as well. So that this is two movement setting up for the next invader action. That's yep. pretty potent. It's nuts. Uh, some major powers we like. I, this For this one, I specifically went with just base deck stuff because it it's just too much for me to look at the entire deck of cards. But I did want to call attention to some really, really beautiful cards. Uh, and again, they always have Dahan in the artwork, turns out. Uh, the first one is Vigor of the Breaking Dawn. It's a three-cost fast card, which is, I would say, cheap for majors, right? That's, that's, a, that's a pretty cheap major. It gives us Sun and Beast, which is not air, which is annoying, but... Uh, the beast unlocks some other things, and we might be able to play other cards. Uh, it's fast, two range in a target land with Dahan, and it's two damage per Dahan in target land. Hey, that sounds a lot like our manifest ability. This is a second manifest. Right. However, it can be improved if you have three sun and two beast, which it's providing one of those each. You may push up to two Dahan. In lands, you pushed Dahan to two damage per Dahan. So this is an area of effect nuke that can hit multiple territories at once fast before the invaders do anything. Right. It's nuts. Yeah, that's fun. Uh, <laughs> the, the only limit there that's kind of a bummer is the up to two. I wish you could push like even yeah. more than that. But right. yeah, you're doing damage in one target land and then pushing two out to other lands and doing some even more damage. Although, of course, you could always... You always pick the same land to push them to, yep. and then that's four damage. So exactly. there you go. It's a lot. Uh, the last card I'll talk specifically about is uh, Wrap in Wings of Sunlight. It is a three-cost fast card that gives you sun, air, and beast. So this one is already better than the last one because I just I love every air I can get. It's critical to have things I want to do. Uh, it is uh, a zero range, so it's only where I have my presence, but as a, as a major power, you got presence all over the board. I'll tell you that's not a, a limiting factor, and you can target any kind of territory. You move up to five Dahan from the target land to any land, and then defend five in that land. Wow. And if you have two sun, two air, two beast, which this card fulfills half of that, Right. And your board provides two more of those symbols. You just need to play one other card with Beast for this. That's that's the big thing. If you have, if you've ramped up enough, you play one other card with one Beast symbol on it. You will also first gather up to three Dahan. So you can find a territory with not even much going on, gather three Dahan into it, then move a stack of five Dahan anywhere on the map. And defend five there with the stack that's going to kill everything. That's it. That, th those five are going to deal 10 damage to whatever's sitting there right. after you've defended yeah, five. They're going to clear it. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I mean, and that's, that's literally anywhere. So that's a kind of range that's like hard to find in any kind of card. The idea that I can just do this wherever I want. And again, I'm a faction who gains four power whenever I want to. And I can be reclaiming. I can play this card every single turn if I want to in the late game. Yeah, that's insane. Uh, and it and I mean, three energy cost is feels like a little expensive for Thunderspeaker, um, but still, it's like that's right. That's I love how it feels like the you're sending the Dahan to just kill on the Ravage yeah. with this. Yep. And then all of your other abilities can be dealing with other lands. Exactly. And that's probably enough to just lock down one and be like, all right, we don't have to worry about this land, but I'm exactly. going to do everything else to to 
got to fix all these other problems we have. You end up spending so much time, sort of like you're saying, you, you're you focus firing like one area every turn. And you're doing that through being like, I'm just trying to get an air and this many extra elements down. And then you look at what you've played based on the elements and you're like, okay, now I have some other powers. What are those right. going to do? Those are the extra fluff. Those are the like, oh, I'll target some things there. I'll, I'll add a couple defense there. I'll move those there. But they're all in service of where's the spike happening this turn? Where's yeah. the big sort of nuke of of many different styles of nukes I can do? Um, like I said, we really like defensive friends and we really like energy sharing friends, uh, our, our fellow spirits that are able to donate spirit. The games I played where someone could donate me energy regularly yeah. Or night and day, how much I was capable of doing. I mean, it's it's absolutely cataclysmic <laughs> what you can do with just all that bonus energy. Yeah, right. Like if somebody's solving your energy problem for you, then you can take what is it, growth two? Yes, I can. I can time. double presence every single turn. Yeah, and, and yeah. If you don't have to worry about energy, then just get all your presence on the board, <laughs> and then have have everything. Yeah, have a buffet of whatever you want. You're playing four cards. You're yep. just like going to town. You're reclaiming a card every turn, regardless yeah. of what growth you take. That's insane. It's really nuts. Uh, Thunder Speaker is flexible and powerful by themselves and only gets better with fellow spirit energy. You aren't likely to have too many difficulties and you can aim for a fear level three win like every time. You know you're going to clear cities. Cities are the easiest thing in the world to deal with for Thunderspeaker. Right. And so right. your only difficulty is generating enough fear. But guess what generates a lot of fear? Killing cities and towns right after you've let them build. So we talked about the coming out the gate and blocking off all the explorers plan. That's cool, and I bet, depending on the adversary, that's, like, a necessary thing to just, like, don't let them explore right. at all. I would lean more in the mindset of let the explorers do their thing because all they're doing is putting stuff on the map that you can easily dispatch and generate fear with and lead to a sharper, faster end game, right? <laughs> the faster you generate enough fear through killing towns, the faster you then just, all right, let's finish off the cities and finish this game, basically. That's how all of my Thunderspeaker games felt. Yeah, so you're, the key time to strike is after build, but before yes. Ravage, basically. Exactly. Yeah, That's I, what you're looking at. I focus fired every Ravage every turn. That's why that flexibility, especially, if, I mean, again, I'm sure at higher level play, there's more specific things you can do. But if you literally just let the other two steps happen, and then you look at what every Ravage is going to be every turn, you can probably be a big part of the solution to every Ravage by killing the cities before they Ravage you. And that's generating fear and you're just like your island always looks like it has too many explorers on it but you never actually have any real threats basically right well and also explorers only do one damage exactly. which is nothing right. at all right. so it doesn't matter for blight doesn't kill any dahan with exactly. that i guess it's a little weird probably when there's more than one explorer in uh one land but you yes. do have that other power that you can use to sort of solve that problem right. if you need to you can move yes, around it's if a you good kit yeah, it makes a lot of sense. Um, I think you should focus on just having fun with them and lean into the ability to turn on a dime uh, and address concerns as they appear. Get your element engine online uh, is one way to make that certainly a lot easier. But so is a healthy supply of energy and cards. Right. So you can do basically either or um, uh, the, the big way I think about it is if you're just looking at your board, if you're looking at your spirit sheet, you can either focus fire the top track, right? And just like, I'm going to be able to afford an eights pretty often. Or you can 
focus fire the bottom track and take the four plus four energy a lot and always afford it. And I sort of even prefer the latter option um, because right. if I can play more cards, I can still get the innate powers activated. I don't need the baseline innate stuff in my top tr top track, and I don't need energy income from my top track if I'm t if I'm doing gain for energy often enough. Yeah, well, uh, I love, I like how there was so much in common between these two spirits. Yeah, but also so much that was different. Your your right. spirit the pace is very is, different. The pace is completely opposite. <laughs> I mean, vital strength is like very slow. It's like we're playing a yeah. card, and guess what? Next time we're playing a, a card, card. <laughs> and next time we'll get to maybe play two cards. Yeah. You know. Um, and then yeah, Thunder Speaker's just over here throwing two presents on the ground and just yeah. being like, "Let's go, let's three cards, do it. three cards, three cards, three cards every single turn." Reclaim. I'm, I'm getting a third one back them. for free. Yeah. I'm just getting one back for yeah. free. I'm yeah. drawing two power cards. <laughs> like it just ramps up so quickly. Yep. Uh, okay. I want to thank our weird bears: Big Al Cappuccino, Squeamish Emu, Pope Billy the Second, Brassbird, Cabal of Soul, Kaluan, Daryl, Janim Jedi, Carnal, Necrodice Twice, Kindred Spirit, Alice, Lord Raddington, Emlashevsky, Sunfax, Absol, Ricky M44, Rwise, Ryan, and Spirit Thing. I want to thank our Teensy Sprouts, Baldrick, Tautology, Is What It Is, Kraken, Frank G, General Pith, Uncle Batty, Savant, and Vince. Guess what? It's the Twilight Imperium portion of the Twilight Imperium yeah. podcast. You made it, folks. Congratulations. We're we're just so thrilled to have you here to talk about some Twilight Imperium. Hunter, I got a homebrew review for you. This one's an agenda, so this is wacky. We're in really stupid territory. We're, this is nothing... Put your strategic thought aside and just think about thematic impact on the table, okay? Bradley Sigma's got Resonance Cascade. <laughs> It is a law for place the three lambda wormhole tokens in the Mechatol Rex system. So we're introducing what? lambda wormholes. New a new What's uh, lambda. Uh, a lambda is another Roman symbol or Greek symbol. It's Roman? Whatever. Greek. Shut it's up. Greek? I know. What's lambda? What's lambda? Uh, what is lambda? Is that <laughs> like a food? I don't eat lambda. Okay. <laughs> I don't eat lambda. I don't eat beef. Uh -huh. I don't eat pork. Okay, you're, you're a good, you're a good little environmentalist. Thank you, Hunter, for doing your part. Uh, <laughs> okay, we have three lambda wormhole tokens in the Mechatol Rex system. At the end of a player's tactical action, that player must remove one lambda wormhole token from the game board and place it in the active system. So every single time a tactical action is taken, a lambda connected to two other lambdas is moving into the active system so there's just these three things on the board that are always where the most recent action was that are now connected Whoa. to each other that's homebrew right there <laughs> <laughs> now that's homebrew now the that's against, definitely homebrew the against is worse flip the wormhole nexus to its inactive side and destroy all units in systems that contain a gamma wormhole. I like that, actually. I think that's super cool. Like, close it. You know yeah. what I mean? Put it Force back. Force it to be re... Although, wait, we didn't... There's a lot of questions I have. Yeah. Does the person that controls malice still control malice? Yeah, I think so. It's just that it's flipped. It's to the inactive... There's a gamma wormhole still connecting it. You're there. You control it. Yeah, okay, It doesn't so make it, it neutral. You just have nothing to defend it. Okay, right. Okay, that's interesting. But yeah, that's it's cool. The gamma blows up and kills everything. Yeah. Yeah, I, I did love, that against that. That that four is a little bit. It's a bit much. Yeah, 
Remember that the against two synergizes with an agenda in the standard deck where sometimes there's a gamma wormhole on Mechatol Rex. Like sometimes the yeah. players yeah. put that there. So if that's there, Ooh. you just you have a new Ixthian, like second Ixthian artifact here. Yeah, I love the opportunity for double Ixthian in one game. So I, I will thank Bradley Sigma for that. But I don't know. I feel like I feel like this four is too complicated uh -huh. and it would be a bummer if anybody ever selected it. But the against is so juicy yeah. that maybe it would never get selected. Right. Hey, I, I mean, it's a, it's a law in play and you know we love to avoid that. So the yeah, against has got a bonus point for me. Um, no laws. No laws. Okay. We have a big agenda phase to do. I say big. I don't know how long we'll talk about this, but we, we chose a topic specifically for our Spirit Island episode to talk a bit more about Twilight Imperium. Nick asks us, Hunter, what do you look for in a slice when doing a multi draft? Ooh, yeah. Um, well, okay. This, this is a big. There's, this is a, there's this, like first off, this is a broad question. There's a lot we could talk about here. There's at least five things. Yeah, but there's probably more. <laughs> um, first, the most obvious one has got to be resources and influence. And actually, I'll, I said that in the wrong order. Yeah, influence and then resources. Mm -hmm. Um, but. You know, you definitely, you, I mean, you definitely want to have some resources. Don't get me wrong. Sure. Um, but influence is the, the one that's more closely related to the tempo of the game yep. and to your overall economy uh, in a way that I think is super important. Uh, second thing, what's, what would be number two priority? I don't know, like the, the layout of the slice. There's yes. some super stupid slices out there where there's like a gravity rift in the center or like there's only one planet you can expand to yeah. for round two. This is just a personal thing, but I happen to think that round two is super important economy-wise. Yeah. So if it doesn't look like I'm going to have a very good round two, I consider that a pretty big detriment. And yeah. I think it, I consider it a bigger detriment than like some other players. Because I see, I see people that are smarter than me take uh, slices where they're only going to get to expand to one system round yeah. two. But I don't like that. That yeah. really kind of ticks me off. Well, there's, there's in our qualifiers that just wrapped up, there was a slice called Mordor. Yeah. And it was notably not picked very often, didn't win very often. It is the losingest slice, which is a bit, the, the numbers betray it a bit because the, the less it's chosen, the less it's going to win, obviously. But I think even in games played, it underperformed, right? And a big part of that is it's what you're just describing. There's like one system you can get to unless you're a cabal or something that very easily gets gravity drive round one to expand hmm. to further away systems. Wait, are you talking about? Whoa, 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 no, no, no. Mordor, you can get to. There's, there's a two planet system, and then there's Primor. Oh yeah, I guess Primor is a, a big part of it. But like, uh, half your money is in that distant planet, is I believe the, yes. the fact with Mordor. Like, most of your income is in the further away thing than Primor and the like weak system that's also adjacent to you. And it's a big empty in the center, so you you are having to expand in two different directions, not towards the good planets next to Mechatol. Yeah, I just want to say though, actually paradoxically i'm actually a fan of mordor sure. and i think it is actually a pretty good slice i had to play it because of some drafting weirdness i had to play it uh like six times in a row or something crazy like that wow um because i was trying to figure out how to make it fair for people when i need to play a specific faction but still do a tournament <laughs> draft anyway super complicated you don't need to hear about that um uh, a way what I would, else do we look for in here's a, a way i would rephrase this question that maybe helps us come up with more things to look for which is which is this when a multi-draft is set up in a way where the first person in the order snap grabs one slice, goes slice first, 
what does that draft look like? like what is what what makes that slice the thing that the person first on the order who's like I don't know what else is going to happen to me I'm going to get like so many other choices are going to happen before it comes all the way back around to me but this this slice is like critically important what does that slice usually have that would make that person have to take that over speaker token or faction first yeah i don't i mean yeah so definitely raw value like right. we've already talked about planet count planet count i think is something that people forget is like a critical thing it's it's hard to even realize how big of an impact it has but i think over like the past couple years of tournaments we have seen that as a major factor when i'm making slices in in like the first two years of the tournament we had very often uh slices where it's like this one's got six most of these have five and this one's got four and the one with four planets was always bad always not yeah. good <laughs> in like a major way like very very badly uh underperforming so it's it's i would say you really want five planets unless the average is four planets like in the slice which sometimes happens yeah and also like the amount of planets you have factor into what your exploration plays out like exactly. and exploration is where things can get really swingy in your favor yep um so that's like a fringe benefit you don't even know about not yep. just not to even go into all of the possible objectives that could be focused on that. I mean, honestly, if your objective focused completely, planet type maybe is the best thing to go off of. Mm -hmm. uh, but actually, now now we're getting in the weeds because what are you going to sure. pick? Some empty space as well for empty <laughs> spaces? I don't know. Um, but there's multiple objectives that focus on planet types. You've yep. got uh, amount of planets. You got push boundaries. You got six outside home. You got four of the same type. You got yep. all the stage two versions of all that. Yep. Um it's a lot of stuff that relates to specifically that you got yeah. secret phase or uh, secret objectives that uh, relate to that as right. well. Yeah. Yeah. I would, um, I would say if you have a slice sitting in front of you and it's got three of one trait, the numbers could be mediocre and that still might be a pretty, that could be lucky <laughs> and, and have like a lot of value to you because um, especially like when Hunter and I make multi draft slices, we really spread the planets out generally speaking and so yeah. anytime you can have a spike of planets is like a huge thing in your favor. Um, outside of that, I would, th that's when it starts to become about like faction combos maybe. And so then you're considering tech skips. You're not just considering tech skips like on from the get go, but if you're sure. fifth in the order, right, you know, you're going to get to pick sort of two things closely related. If you're sixth in the order, you're picking two things back to back. You can pick a faction with a slice and you probably have, two slices that have already like the best slices have already been chosen so there's later people in the turn order that's when i think you just start focusing on some sort of synergy between slice and faction yeah i almost feel like a lot of a lot of the time these days i'm just finding myself picking faction last yeah like almost all the time i almost feel like i'm always in the draft being like all right well because and it might just be the nature of the show that i feel pretty comfortable playing most factions yeah um I'll look at it and I'll be like, ah, oh, well, I can't change. I can't work with a bad slice. Yep. And, uh, and there is a lot of possible advantages in being early in picking order round yep. one. Yep. So I feel like those two things take priority and then faction kind of comes last. And I'm always doing the math of like, all right, what are my faction selections going to look like if, if I leave it to last? Yeah. And it kind of just depends on where you're at. If there is a faction I really want to take, let's say I'm let's say I'm last in in order at the top, so that means that I'm going to pick two things back to back first. Yeah. 
that is a situation where I do sometimes consider like maybe I'll pick slice and take a faction that can really shine in that slice. Yeah. But most of the time I'm probably just going to try and take the best slice I can and then the best speaker yep, order I can. I think so. Um unless there's some really trashy stuff in the faction selection. Yeah. Well, and, and another thing too of going faction last is you get depending on your order in the draft you can look at neighbors and stuff and start to answer more questions and and depending on the factions available as long like like you said as long as there's not just straight up trash your yeah. faction can be a response to who you slowly discover your neighbors are right you take right. a slice you know is powerful you take third pick you know round one so you know your yeah. neighbors with second and fourth pick and you get to see them pick factions and then be like oh, okay okay actually it's wisest to take soul here because it protects me against whatever or it's wisest to take whatever else because my neighbor factions or some combo right i can i can right. trade really well with my nasroka neighbor or something and maybe get a couple extra relics in the game I actually messed this up the other day. I was playing a game with Seto and Magi were, were going to be my neighbors. And Magi was playing a Sar and Seto was playing as Cabal. And I had already picked Faction oh, no. without thinking about that. And it was Empyrean. Oh, no. I was playing as Empyrean <laughs> in between Sar and Cabal. And I had to beg them through the mid game. Yeah. Uh, the whole mid game was just me being like, can this be this can be a friendly game, right? Can't we just all be friends? Let's let's have a chill one. Oh, Please don't oh do you want to trade? There's a trade good, buddy. Uh, <laughs> as many of those as you need, you know? Oh, do you want Aether Stream? Just go ahead and have it. Have it for free. Who cares? Uh and I just kept, you know, kept doing stuff like that. And yeah. and you know what? To my own credit, I will say, I kept the favors up pretty well mm -hmm. into the late game. But yeah, it was basically just begging, being like, Can I please make it to the end of this game because they could have just gotten rid of me so easily. I mean, it was just a pincer, you yeah, know? Yeah. It would have been nasty. Real nasty. Um, I don't know that I have anything else I'm looking for with a slice. Um, I mean, I don't want... Uh, keep an eye on supernovas. Supernovas are the worst. Uh, they... they. Uh, however, like our winningest slice this year is the one with a supernova. We, we clearly overdid it on the qualifiers. We were successful in making a slice like with a big supernova problem that still can just succeed in the game like we specifically worked against that and it didn't matter that that slice ended up doing amazingly so but yeah the, the goal should be that there should never be a winningness it should all <laughs> all be law losers sure. loss yeah it should all be lost they should all be like we, oh they know none of them won yeah none of the slices won they're perfect <laughs> they're all perfect the noteworthy thing about supernovas and their placement is you know if it's on the outer rim that's generally a system you can't score three on the edge with if they're adjacent to mechatol not only is it blocking your path to custodians but it's also something you can't intimidate council with with. so those are always awful slices you basically want supernovas in yep. equidistance and nothing else unless like in our qualifier slice slices the numbers add up which the slice with the supernova on the way to mechatol is rich very 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 rich which then can afford to push into the new neighbors you're forced to push into because you can't go forward yeah i actually want to ask you just this is not related to what we're talking about but well it sort of is how do you feel about the qualifier slices Let's just kind of, you want to have a little unpacking mm. moment here? How did you feel about how, how do we do? Let's take a quick survey. <laughs> how do we do? How do we do here? I mean, I'm, I'm looking at it right now. I'll go ahead and tell you. Uh, I think that, you know, there's obviously the, the better, the better slices, but I, I like the spread. You said yeah. no country for hopes in was actually the number one. It weren't, it tied with yeah, one yeah. to four, 
uh, the voyage home. Right. Uh, so that's something. Yeah. Um, and pretty close to disparity. I mean, third up was only two wins behind. It's It drops off a little bit after that, but like three slices all kind of in the pack. I think that's better than last year's qualifiers. Last year's qualifiers had like one that was like, it took two rows to account yep. for how many wins that it got. So yeah, I think we definitely improved from last year's qualifiers. Yeah. And, and uh, honestly, part of the problem too is like, you know, you get these these sheeple that we got in our community, and they they start spreading rumors. You know, they start b- drinking their own Kool Aid and believing everything they hear on TV. You know, and then you get stuff like Mordor with only three wins. Mordor is good. Yeah, Mordor is a good slice. Right. And if the fact that y'all numbskulls can't figure that out, so ins- I have more wins on Mordor than the tournament does. <laughs> You know what I mean? I'm outscoring the entire tournament on Mordor yeah. right now. Take that. I wonder y'all, y- y'all need to open your eyes, sheeple. I I wonder what the I what I need to have in front of me is the like what the faction pools ended up being basically. The problem mm-hmm. with Mordor is Mordor is not bad, but there's always a slice that's probably tied with Mordor without any of the risks of Mordor. So I don't know. I think yeah. stuff just ends up getting chosen more often basically. So I don't know. I'd I'd love to. I'm trying to find Mordor's win rate in games it was played in. That's the number I need to find. But hey, Drago, your stat sheet is so good. I can't find stuff in it. There's too much information. Yeah, Drago, can you make like a dumb version of it, please, (laughs) for idiots? Please. Please. I just want to say for the record, I really like Gravity's Blindside. I think that was a cool slice Mm -hmm. and with a fun, easy gimmick that was lovable. And I enjoyed it every time. And also, I loved that the very first... So the first win of the tournament was uh, Pizza JJ um, as Argent yeah. in Gravity's Blindside. And I, after seeing that, was like, that is a good Argent slice. And then I tried it out. And guess what? You, won. you can check out the results <laughs> on YouTube right now. Uh, it it worked. Yeah. Experiment yeah, and what, success. And, and Argent only won twice, so that was half the Argent wins. So clearly yeah. other people weren't weren't following the 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 logic there. Yeah, they should have been looking at they should have been studying that game. They should have been studying Pizza JJ. Mm-hmm. How dare they not? Mm-hmm. Um I study everyone. I study I, I, I watch every game every night. Uh-huh. I, I fall asleep to them. Yeah. Okay. We know this. And they're about you. you know, they're only 10 to 15 hours long a piece and there's only 75 of them yeah so i've i've wow. been done for weeks now wardor's win rate is in the toilet i will say that much uh in yeah, terms well of, that's on y'all okay it's, it's three out of 42 three wins out of 42 picks which is a, wow. a whopping seven percent uh win rate compared to uh the voyage homes 22 percent win rate uh 16 yeah, well, out of 73 that's nuts Gravity's yeah, Blindside. Gravity's Blindside is the only slice picked in 100% of games. Yeah, it's good. People that's like hilarious. it. You know? It makes sense that people like that. It's weird that actually that is actually that's a sign that at least we tricked people into thinking <laughs> the slices were even. You know what I mean? Right. Like that only one of them was 100% picked. Yeah, yeah. That means like there was definitely some healthy debate there. Yeah. There's a couple you know? games where No Countries for Hope's End wasn't picked. There's a couple games where Lord of War wasn't picked because somehow... Gravity's Blindside and Mordor seemed better. That's really cute. Uh, what else? What other breakdowns can we do real quick? This is fun. I'm just looking at stats stuff. Uh, once again, Custodian's wins accounts for uh, 27% of the wins. 
Yeah. That's a high that's... number. I don't want... Do people think that that's mm. a low number? 27% of wins with custodians is... Well, somebody's got to win. Yeah. So. Well, but and that's I, more I, than one-sixth of the play. So it's like, you know, <laughs> the, I don't know. It's, I, I just think that's a lot. Stage two, though, is a much uh, weirder one. Um, 41% of games were won by somebody who had scored a stage two, which means 59% of the time you won without a stage two at all. Yeah, that's a cool way to do it. That's the best way to do it. Yeah. We, we need to, we need a stat that's like the seventh player gave away a point, like uh-huh. like either they got it via relics or like yeah. just by a law or something. I want to know how often that is just what junk. happens. Yeah, junk is the win. So whatever, whatever weird thing comes out. Yeah. The, the yes custodians know. Let's see, what's the highest percent of wins? 37% of the time the player won with no stage two and no custodian. So that's maybe a, a, a put in, in your court. That's what we're saying. 37% Uh-oh. of the time, some other points were discovered to be the win. Although I will note, I don't have the number right in front of me. The number of tiebreakers means a lot. There's plenty of games that didn't get to 10 points, right? So stage two yeah. and custodians don't have to be a factor at all when you only have to get to eight or nine points to win. That's, that's a very different set of math. Oh, I wish I knew how many tiebreak wins we had this year. That's like something. That's I'm always sure like a fun one to check in on. on here. I just can't. I can't find it myself right away. There's again so much information sitting here in front of me. I'm drinking. Yeah, Drago, who is this for? You know what I mean? Like, I gotta, I gotta ask at a certain point. Like, are you're not being paid to do this? Are you? Are someone paying you to do this? You're not getting paid for this. Who's paying you? Is someone paying you to yeah. do this? That's weird. Hey, we got some streams coming up this weekend. Uh, Ooh, yeah. Last week we said we was, there was going to be an off-topic game on Saturday, March 18th. That, the order has been flipped slightly. That's my fault. I'm sorry. Uh, instead, Hunter is playing a game as Nomad on stream uh, yep. this Saturday. And then on Sunday, we're both playing, and the poll results are in. It's Fog of War. You and I have to play a Fog of War game on Tabletop Playground uh, this Sunday, roughly 10 a.m. Eastern Time. It'll be Sunday morning. Come hang out with us while we try a Fog of War. I will note, there's, I think, still disputes in exactly how Fog of War gets played mm-hmm. there's async mm-hmm. fog of war there's ttpg fog of war i think they're different things we have to learn what this even means but we're gonna not know what we're the gonna math settle looks it. like yeah we're gonna yeah. settle the dispute this weekend we'll settle the dispute the fog of war is what we say it is okay that <laughs> we we decide we, we, who have we put are in no work into it and are showing up at the 11th hour i'm showing up to dictate. on on the second day and i'm just gonna be like i not only do i work here but i run the joint and they'll be like you weren't even here for the grand opening i'm like shut up i'm in charge i just start sitting by the manager's desk i'm like putting my feet up on stuff i'm like yep this is my house this is i'm a part of this and i was here the whole time yeah hey yeah. You can rate this podcast on your app of choice. It helps with algorithm stuff, which is how the world is run these days. All praise be to the algorithm. That's what I would all like. Praise the algorithm. I would like your review of us this week to say all praise be to the algorithm. May it yes. bless us with the numbers the computer deems worthy. Uh, you can also send us this Imperium Life Stories to SpaceCatsPeaceTurtles at gmail.com. You can go to our website, SpaceCatsPeaceTurtles.com for information about our Patreon, our Discord, our merch, and everything else. And y'all... Get ready. The prelims are coming in April. We'll have a slice out, uh, or we'll, we'll have map slices out at some point. I don't have them ready yet. Don't have them. Haven't worked on them enough. Got to make prelim slices and get them out so that the prelims players will stop asking me for them. They are, they've been sitting around. Most of these players have been sitting around since November, <laughs> just waiting to play a prelims game. And uh, I'm, I'm going to get them some information here in the next couple weeks, I guess. 
Yeah. Um, what if... So, like, there's been some talk <gasps> on the Discord mm -hmm. where people are like, ah, you know what? Uh, I thought Hunter said he was going to do a joke version of the qualifier report if Matt didn't do it. And, of course, Matt did not do it. And everyone's forgiven Matt, um, of course. Uh, and if you didn't forgive Matt, then you, we don't, I don't know about you, okay? <laughs> um, and the thing is, I don't really have time to do it, right? I mean, right? I don't. But, you know, I don't know if you're aware, but we're doing a live show in Portland uh -huh. um, next week, actually, next Wednesday. Yeah. Um, you should check it out if you live in Portland. But the thing is, I live in New York City. Uh, which means, of course, I mean, obviously, uh, I'm going to have to fly in a plane in the sky. Oh, no. And I'm looking at how long the flight is. And, you know, I don't know. It's kind of long. It's got like six hours. So I'm kind of here saying like, oh, you know, I don't have time to do this. But then I'm sort of looking at this big chunk of time, weird chunk of time. And like, how weird would it be if I just kind of sat at my chair on the plane, on the plane with a microphone, with my phone <laughs> and a microphone and just started recording. I mean, like, would I freak the other? Would the other person be freaked? Do you want get that your to be seat neighbor? Feet? Get your seat neighbor to read one of the qualifier reports with no <laughs> other information. Just hey, listen, I'll give you five dollars if you. Oh read, my god! You just read this. I really loud. so I, I uh, real talk. So I'm not promising anything, but I I do have I have my pod track right here. Yeah. It's real little. I was bringing it anyways, uh -huh. if we needed to record anything. And I'm bringing microphones anyways. And I'm bringing cables anyways. So guess what? I'm going to have all of it. Now, let me just say, I am very much thinking about doing this. And it will be great if I do it. But, and, and audience, you have to be cool. I am not going to be a weirdo on a plane sitting next to somebody. Unless, unless I get their full permission yeah. to do it so we will see if i sit next to someone cool yeah i think i'm going to record the best solo podcast of all time <laughs>Thanks for listening to Space Cat's Peace Turtles. And thanks to Brian Capillas for the wonderful music. You can find more at wanderinglake.bandcamp.com.